Welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 48 of TLDR Podcast. So, full disclosure real fast, we're, we're down a man because, you know, Eric and the Clippers are in playoffs and the schedule is super hectic. But we still have Trade-In, Tyler, and Alex here to bring you yet another very exciting episode. Speaking of exciting, playoffs were in full swing. I mean, NHL, NBA, that's been crazy. So we're excited to talk about that and talk about baseball today. Also, Trade-In might either cry or break his computer tonight and uh, we'll just watch we'll see how that unfolds so stay tuned and uh we'll go through this adventure together but before we get through all that we gotta check in with the homies as always tyler last weekend of baseball for you this last weekend you happy excited you sad what's going uh, on I'm, I'm i'm pretty happy uh to have weekends again i'm very excited um to actually have a summer you know and to look forward to plans and have that kind of stuff uh it's been a while obviously the two years ago i was with uh, minor league baseball so was doing that all summer last year was covid so had had you know had some stuff but you know it wasn't quite the same so actually getting you know things are opening back up and actually have can, can make plans and have weekends again i'm very excited so i'm very excited to kind of move forward that was very 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 good season for us um not as we wanted to go but it was a good experience but i'm happy to hang out with the boys and uh, to actually like enjoy a summer for, I feel like the first time in a while for me. So what's stuff. the first thing you're going to do? Like what's your first weekend plan? Uh, I'm actually going to go up and visit Alex in Paso Robles. So we're going to be doing that, uh, do a little wine tasting, do a little otter watch, try and find some otters, uh, do some paddle boarding, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I'm going to visit Alex. We, we haven't seen each other. I don't even know since last fucking August, maybe. I don't even know. Well, that's a long time. I haven't seen Alex in 26 years. So, <laughs> <crazy. Yeah. laughs> did not know there were otters at wineries though so that's news to me there are uh, now <laughs> trade in big big weekend for you my guy you moved into your multi-million dollar home and also watched the oilers lose a three-goal lead how, how is that is that better that's that's a lot of hot and cold right there man yeah um i mean if you didn't want to talk to me yesterday no one did um <laughs> Just another three goal let up by the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get into it. I have I have a I have a good I, I have a good diatribe um, lined up for the for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, yeah, I'm not I, I'm I'm happy about the house. Not happy about the state of my team at this point. Hence the crying or breaking of a computer. Now they're yep. gonna be good things. We'll see what happens. And then Alex, me, and uh, Traden and Eric not Tyler, are all very excited and counting down the days for you to actually come visit, you know, to hang out with you. So we can, you know, drink beers and swing some golf clubs. So <laughs> the last couple mm. of days, have you been, you know, practicing your drinking form or swinging a golf ball? Uh, golf not, not been swinging the golf bat at all. <laughs> golf bat. Uh, <laughs> the drinking, yes, uh, it was my lady's birthday this weekend. So uh, we did do some drinking, uh, a little barbecuing, rooftop bar in. I think that's uh that's the way to say it um but yeah i didn't know we were gonna play golf when i came to visit but fuck it let's do it you know oh my god be, that was a shot in the dark it'll be terrible. Let's do it. i mean i don't have any any golf clubs so uh, you can use tyler's we'll have to, yeah, uh, that works tyler you can just be um, a caddy for the day yeah um no <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty good at golf though so it should be good <laughs> And like I said, we're missing Eric, but Eric sends his kind regards and wishes he could be here. But the Clippers practiced at five today, so there's no reason to make it back in time. Um, that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to dive right into the NBA.
Welcome back. So the first round of playoffs are, you know, they started a couple games in. A lot of great matchups all the way through. I think this is the very first time I've been intrigued by every single first game of the series ever. Like, they were all great, all fun to watch. And Alex is going to tell us more about it. Alex, I saw you, man. Thank you, James. Yeah, so just like last week with trade-in, uh, NBA has playoffs have started. Every series has played at least one game. We've got two games going on tonight. Um, but before we get into that, there's two things I feel like we need to talk about with the NBA playoffs. And I want to get the boys' perspectives on these. So just before the playoffs started, the NBA announced or that LeBron would not be penalized for pretty much breaking COVID protocols. Now, we've talked, we talked about the NBA and conspiracy theories like the last couple of weeks on the pod. So pretty much LeBron went out. to It was an outdoor party. From what I understand, everyone either had to be vaccinated or test negative. It was for some sponsorship deal that he's got going on, but he was not punished. What, like any of you guys just chime in thoughts on this. I mean, he's obviously the most marketable player in the game, you know, say what you want about Steph and Kevin Durant and Giannis, but LeBron is still the face of basketball conspiracy theory because the NBA wants LeBron playing or what did it just happen to be that it was, it was, it was actually fine and just got bigger storyline because it was LeBron. So I'm a big fan of conspiracy theories. You guys have heard it a bunch. <laughs> Huge fan of it. But this is just not the case here. Um, it was blown up because it is LeBron. The league came out with a memo kind of detailing the circumstances surrounding this whole thing about the tequila event and how everybody had to be vaccinated or have a negative test within 48 hours of going to that event. And it also detailed the fact that in certain cases where the athlete has money into that, like a sponsorship event, it is deemed as okay. And the precedent has been set from multiple, multiple times this season. It just hasn't been documented or blown up. But players have gone and done that. They've gone and done photo shoots. They've gone and done other things to promote their brand, their sponsorships, as long as people have been vaccinated and have a negative test. And so, I mean, at this case, he's hit every single one of the check marks of it being a league okay event, and he's done it. It's just the fact that LeBron, it's LeBron. So people are like, oh man, he's breaking the rules. The league is league is making this happen for him. And it's just, you know, that's not the case at all. And yeah. I mean, I, I would have to agree here and I'm not even, I not a LeBron fan. Um, that's for sure. Um, and I mean, this is a, this is a nothing burger to me. I mean, this whole country is opening back up. Masks are coming off all that, all that stuff's just kind of opening up. And it's, it's to me, even I didn't even know that he was, he was within the, the, the guidelines, so to speak. So I think to James's point, this is just a, you know, big news because it's LeBron and, and I, I would rather talk about my nomination. I'm going to not, I'm right now I'm nominating LeBron James for an Academy award because that flop last night or the other night was absolutely amazing. U unanimous Academy of like, that was just incredible. Um, that's what we should be talking about. I see. I don't know if it's unanimous because you still got James Harden in there somewhere. And I mean, like he's going to get, some yeah, books. that's true. That is true. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a big fight for that. I mean, come on, like that was <laughs> that was something. I, I that was ridiculous. That was unbelievable. I hope that at the SBs, like two years or from now or something, that is an actual award. Oh, like biggest <laughs> acting job in sports. That's, that's not Dude. like you know someone <laughs> making a camp. Not LeBron in in Space Jam too. Like actually, <laughs> some soccer player. Or for a basketball player, actually, it's only it has to be one of those. It's not going to be a baseball player, or you know, football or hockey. So, 
Um, Tyler, anything on this on this LeBron COVID situation? Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with everyone else. Um, I think it was blown a little bit portion just because, you know, COVID's opening up or kind of dwindling down a little bit and things are starting to open up. Um, so I think that just the timing with this news, I think everyone's still a little bit, you know, COVID triggered. Um, so I think when they hear COVID LeBron, you know, things, I think that kind of alerts people's attention. Um, and obviously LeBron being, you know, arguably the face of the NBA, it's a big deal. Um, I would like to think that the league would not give uh, favoritism towards their stars in those kind of situations or punishments. Um, I don't think they would, but you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think that's what that was the case here. I think it was just, um, I think LeBron did follow the rules and just people are making it seem like he didn't. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, sorry, Traden's obviously enthralled with something going on. Whoever's he's talking to, cry, to YouTube, everybody. He's, a, he's a distracted, but it's okay. Um, I mean, as a Laker fan, obviously I'm glad that like things didn't go poorly, but also as a fan of conspiracy theories, I kind of want to believe that the NBA was just like, no, nah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but you're, maybe, you are all, maybe. you are probably all right that it, it was, it got blown out of proportion because of who it is. If it was, you know, the 12th man on the wizards bench, they, no one would even know about it. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then the last thing, so Stephen A. Smith had a, uh, you know, Think of him what you want, I guess, but but a pretty big rant on whatever fucking ESPN show he's on. I can't keep track of what they're all called. Uh, about uh, take. Yes. There Thank is. you. Yeah. Uh, about the Clippers and the Nuggets both losing games down the stretch to avoid the Lakers. I don't know if this this for all. I know this is another conspiracy theory, but we're in, we're into it. What what are your guys' thoughts? And I think it's kind of good. Eric's not here for this part but thoughts on it feels like especially the Clippers possibly not to throw them under the bus or anything but them losing to avoid the Lakers um and just what do you guys think about like especially in basketball losing games down the stretch to try to get yourself in a more favorable situation for their for a playoff run I think you never want to see teams lose on purpose but I think that they probably do um, I think that, you know, their ultimate goal is to win a championship and however that they can control themselves to put themselves in the best situation, they're going to do that. And sometimes as unpopular as it may sound, maybe losing a few games will help them depending on the seating. So um, I, we don't know for sure. Um, it's, you know, for me, I think if I was the Clippers looking at, you know, the seating, the way things were, I wouldn't want to play Lakers in the first round. I'd much rather, you know, play, play pretty much any, any other team, you know, um, so, or, or the, uh, the, uh, tr the trailblazers. Um, so for me, that's why I, I think they, that they probably did. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to say for sure. It's, 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 it, it, it's a hard thing to say because you never want teams to say they're losing on purpose and they're never going to admit it. But I think that, I think sometimes in some situations that they probably do. I, I go ahead, Jim. go for it. Okay. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. I just don't understand why teams do that. If you're that afraid of the Lakers, then you're going to assume that they're going to make it just as far as you're going. So might as well get that out of the way first and either like give your team extra rest or have that iron sharpens iron mentality and move forward. It's like, you're just avoiding something that's going to come around and get you eventually. So why are you, what's the point of losing games now and killing your momentum? Like, I mean, yeah. the way I live my life, it's like, I do the hardest thing first 
the first thing I can, first thing in the morning is the hardest thing. So I can get that out of the way and continue to move forward using that momentum that I built up. And the Clippers, but if they had done that, if they're using that conspiracy of losing on purpose, they're killing the momentum to avoid something that's going to come around and get them eventually. Like what? I don't understand why they, why is that a thing? I, I would argue uh, to your point, I, I don't know why they would do that, like why they would lose on purpose. I, I'm actually more of the more on the camp that, hey, you know, these these two teams made the playoffs and they're going to they're probably they probably over that stretch of time rested their their top dogs a lot more than than a typical you know period during the season. Right. They've already established it. Let's re- let's put a little bit more. I hate, I hate it, but, um, the, uh, load management, a little bit, employing a little bit more load management to make sure that the players are ready for, for the postseason, And they're probably playing teams that are desperate to make playoffs. So they're, you know, they're playing teams that are playing a little bit more desperate, desperate basketball. And it just leads to a little bit more losses. I, I don't know why you would lose on purpose to James point. I don't know why you would lose on purpose. Although I could understand you maybe, not necessarily losing on purpose, but managing your, your star player so that they're ready for a full playoff run. I think that would, be, that would make more sense than just completely just losing to just lose. Um, you know, but you know, I guess I kind of, I guess if you really, you know, want to, um, you know, split hairs, I guess I'm kind of looking at both ends. I guess you could say I'm kind of saying both are right, but I, I don't, I think it's less that they're trying to f- play the Lakers or not play the Lakers as much as it is, is making sure that, you know, Kawhi is, is healthy for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, and Kawhi is the poster boy for load management. I feel like that sort of came around with him, especially in that Toronto, his one season in Toronto. Um, I don't. I think it doesn't help that, unfortunately, it is the Clippers, and they have no, never won anything. They, you know, were supposed to be this big powerhouse last year. They did all this promotional shit, and then they faded and played like crap in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, everyone was expecting, we talked about it on this podcast, like, all right, so Lakers, Clippers, what's your conference finals? Let's not talk about the rest of it. And then didn't happen. So um, I, and I agree with you, James. I think like, you know, you're just going to put it off until later on and you're tired more like you want to. And I think if you're the Clippers, you should want to prove yourself, like prove that you can beat the Lakers. You could beat LeBron. And now you just, now it just looks like you're kind of hiding with your tail tucked between your legs and it's, Kind of a weak move. I don't, you know, again, we'll never be able to prove that this actually happened or not. But now the real conspiracy is the NBA asking the Clippers to lose games so that they don't play the Lakers <laughs> early on and then they play them in the conference final. That's where the that's where the um, controversy is. I like that I way more. That, way more kind of I actually hope that actually yeah. did happen. Yeah, I agree with you. I hope that did happen because that'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, let's get into the meat of the playoffs. So we have 16 teams. Eric's not here, so I'm going to take the other four. And we're going to do the exact same thing Traden did with hockey last last week. Just what does this team need to do to win? How can they win? You, you get it. Um, we're going to start in the East since that was kind of the way that the playoffs started. So first things first, Boston won. We all said they were going to lose, so we fucked up on that one. Boston won that first playing game. They're the seven seed. And then Washington came back and won. Uh, so they are the eight seed. So the Washington Wizards are actually a real playoff team right now. Um, we're going to start at the bottom half of the bracket. So the Brooklyn Nets, the two seed, taking on the Boston Celtics, the seven seed. Trader, what did the, what? I mean, yeah, what do the Nets need to do to beat Boston? The se- the series is already one zero, Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, 
I think at the end of the day, <laughs> the, the team kind of speaks for itself. I mean, they, they, you know, they made these big trades, um, towards the early part of the season. We, 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 we've talked about the Brooklyn Nets quite a bit on this podcast. So I think, you know, a lot of that kind of more or less speaks for itself in that, you know, they, they got, they got Kevin Durant, they got, um, they got James Harden, uh, and they have, um, who am I missing? Kyrie Irving. I mean, th- those are the big three, you know, scores. And this team was the best offensive team in, in the league or one of, at least if the, I think they were number two, uh, in terms of offense, if not number one. And, you know, these guys are, and to my surprise, uh, James Harden p- turned into a little bit more of a playmaker than he, you know, than we expected. I mean, I'm not saying that he's, he's, you know, the greatest passer ever. I'm not going to sit here and say that, but he did turn into more of a playmaker than he ever has been. And, I, you know, we, we talked about that. I talked about this being an issue in that you get three guys that just want the ball, um, you know, every game or all game, and you're going to run into some issues and they, they, they did fairly well in terms of melding those three, you know, uh, you know, big personalities onto that team. Uh, James Harden has trying to change his game a little bit to be a little bit more of a passer. And I think that that's kind of helped. And I think that they just have to be that dominant offensive team and just continue doing what they're doing. I mean, they, they've, they're number two seed for a reason. Um, so that's kind of where we're, that's kind of, I, I have to just leave it at that. They, they're just, they will just outscore Boston, you know, I, and I don't really think Boston has a chance against those three bo- big boys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was supposed to take Boston. So that's my fault. Um, yeah. Realistically, this feels like a pretty unfair fight. Um, it's, it sort of feels like a varsity playing a freshman team or something like that. Um, I do think the Celtics can get a couple of wins. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, if he can go off for 50 again, like he did in the play in game, they can win us. They can win a game or two here. Um, do I think that Boston's be able to out? This is the problem. You have to outscore Brooklyn four times with those incredible offensive players. Realistically, do I think Boston can do that four times? No, um, but I think they can make this more of a series than people maybe expect. I could see it going six, um, but I could also see them getting swept. So it will be uh, it'll be a fun one to watch. Um, and just the growth of Jason Tatum and the superstar that he already is minimum, just check that out um, and just wait for Brooklyn to move on. If the odds were any indication of how lopsided this is Brooklyn's favored by minus 1430, which means you have to bet a hundred dollars and you, or I'm sorry, you have to bet $1,430 to win a hundred dollars. I mean, the, uh, the, it's yeah. just, it's just, you just give them the first round. At this point. <laughs> yeah. And that, that is something with basketball that it's pretty rare that a, at the beginning of the playoffs that a lower seed will beat a higher seed. I mean, the 5-4 matchup, six, but especially the 2-7s, 1-8, it's pretty tough. Um, we're going to move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat, who played last year in the playoffs. The Heat won, I'd say, pretty surprisingly, um, and then went on to the NBA Finals, obviously. Um the game, I believe, just ended, and the Bucks destroyed the Heat. So it's now up two. It's two nothing. Um, they did go to OT in the first game. Uh, Milwaukee just squeaked out that win. Um, but let's start with the Heat, Tyler. What can Jimmy Butler and Miami do to come back in this series? Can they beat the Bucks? 
Yeah. So um, after that game one, it was a good close game over time, um, you know, with the Heat beating the Bucks last year in the playoffs. I thought maybe the Heat just have the Bucks' number in the playoffs. I just thought maybe they got something going on. You see that every once in a while, it's just a team for whatever reason, even on paper is not as good as their team. They find a way to beat them in, in, in the playoffs. And then today happened and the Bucks dropped like 45 points and 10 three-pointers in the first period. And I was like, well, shit, there goes my argument. So obviously down 2-0 in the series, um, it's not looking good. Um, I think the biggest difference between, between the two games was the uh, three-point shooting of the Bucks. Um, the, the Heat were able to uh, hold them to only 16% in game one. But obviously today they shot about 41% from, from three-point range. So um, somewhere those are going to even out. But, um, I mean, the Heat are going to have to find a way to play better defense and, and stop that, that three-point attack. Um, but this Bucks team, man, it's going to be hard. They're, they're so deep, um, and they're – I don't think there's going to be much of a chance of the heat, but it, but it is a seven game series. They're going back to, to Miami, um, but they're, they're just going to have to play much better defense. Um, that, that's what, what, what it's going to come down to. Um, but honestly, like I, I, I thought maybe after, after a game one that the heat might have a chance to kind of, you know, uh, squeak and upset here, but um, after losing game one still, and then the performance of today, not as confident on that one. Yeah. Uh, James. You've got the Bucks. They closing this out. They're, you know, what do they need to do? Dude, honestly, Tyler said that the reason this game was so lopsided today was be because of the Bucks three point shooting, and I want to argue that it was because of the Heat's three point shooting. Like one of my biggest things is that they needed the Bucks need to defend the Heat's three point shooters to a T, like crazy hard this this series. Main reason is that. Giannis and PJ Tucker have clamps on Bam and Jimmy. Like Jimmy Butler has not had a good series so far. Neither has Bam. I mean, tonight Jimmy had 10 points and Bam had 16. And those are supposed to be 20 plus point guys every single night. But for some reason, they can't battle with the size that the Bucks possess. So that means all the shots seem to come from Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, who just shoot from three. And it's like they're young guys. They're going to go through hot and cold streaks. If you can get them early and you're going to miss early game to go cold early which is what happened here today. Today they shot 16% or 28% from three. Like they, they're saying good. If you can get the clamps on the Heat's three-point shooters early, the Bucks are just destroying them. The Heat have nothing else right now. The Heat don't have Jimmy because Jimmy's getting clamped by Giannis. It's going to be tough. And y'all forget, Giannis was the MVP last year. He was the MVP the year before that. Like this year was a quiet-ish season for him, but he still averaged 28 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists. Like, the dude is still a monster. Y'all forget that. He had a quiet season, but he's damn good. Yeah, I think Giannis – I think people forget how good Giannis is. He's still obviously a top-five player in basketball. There's not much question about that. Um, and I kind of think the Bucks have a really good shot of going deep this year because they're not the focus. The last two years, they were the best regular season team. Everyone expected them to go, you know, through the Eastern Conference. And they, they tripped up. And this year – there's two teams in front of them in the standings. Brooklyn obviously getting a ton of attention with their big three. So um, I think Miami can pull off at least a couple of wins. Jimmy Butler can rally those team, those guys. But this it feels almost insurmountable already, which is kind of a bummer for Miami. But it is what it is. Um, okay, we're moving on to the 4-5 matchup. Two teams we didn't really know would be in the playoffs at the beginning of this year. I don't think either one of them were in my top – Okay, sorry, James. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're on the YouTube, you'll see what I mean. 
Um, so the number four Knicks and the number five Atlanta Hawks. Um, we're going to start with the bottom C, which is the Hawks. So I'm going to talk about them. They're up one nothing in this series already. This is a incredible series of two young teams. One a defensive juggernaut in the Knicks, and then the offensive firepower of the Hawks. I think the Hawks and their shooting can take this. Trey Young, De Niro, Gallinari. I think they have a good shot of taking down this Knicks team, but this feels like a series that could go seven. And whoever comes out of this is going to be incredibly like prepared for whoever they have to face next. Um, I This is one of those series that I think people should be watching because it feels super tight, young teams. Um, I like the Hawks to come through this, but I kind of want the Knicks to win. Um, James, the Knicks are apparently your team. We've talked about them all season. What do the Knicks need to do to come back from kind of a heartbreaking loss in game one? They need to stick to their game. Their playoff and experience showed big time in game number one. Uh, in the first half, <laughs> they were missing wide open shots. RJ Barrett was missing left. Julius Randle was shooting too hard. And it's like those two guys were off all game long, and yet they still only lost by two points. The Knicks were the number one defensive team overall. They were number one in the half court. They were number one in the full court. They were number one in transition. There was no better team than the Knicks statistically at all. If they can just go back to that and contain Trey Young, they played Trey Young too soft. Uh, Derek Rose cannot be guarding Trey Young. Trey Young's too fast. Derek Rose's knees cannot handle that at all. But if you play a little bit deeper of a zone, allow Trey Young to drive a little bit, put your hands up, and disrupt that shot, if they can contain, contain Trey Young, it should be smooth sailing. There's not really anybody else in that Hawks team that can destroy this Knicks team. And like I said, uh, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle both had off games. That's not going to happen again. I mean, they're going to continue to play. The more they play, the less those jitters are going to be apparent and the more they're going to go back to their style of basketball. And, you know, Julius Randle is in the running for most improved and he's shown it. Like he, I think he's maybe like he's 10th in the MVP voting. He's up there. He's a good player. If he can get back to that, They'll be okay. They lost by two points after a bad game by their leader. The same bad. Yeah, it will be. That will be a really fun series to watch. Um, again, I hope that goes seven. Um, I'm sure MSG was rocking. They finally got a home playoff series game in decades, it feels like. So um, keep an eye on that one. And then we're moving on to the last one in the East here. The number one seeded 76ers versus Tyler's eight seed Washington Wizards. Um, game one, Philly did pull it out, but it was close. It was close all game. Um, Tyler, can Washington continue this unimaginable streak that they're on and shock the world and beat the 76ers? Uh, no, they're not going to beat the 76ers <laughs> in a seven-game series. This is not going to happen. Like, let's be honest. But – I mean, look, they're, they're, this team is a lot better than people think. And I've been telling you guys that for a long time. Like, they've been playing really good basketball, and they're going to make this competitive. I don't think it's going to be, a, you know, a blowout. A lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, 76ers best team in basketball season against this, you know, Wizards team, the eight seed that barely made the, uh, that barely made the playoffs. You know, like I, for, for pretty much four quarters, they were pretty much, you know, uh, with, with uh, the 76ers that, that whole game statistically you know pretty even i think the only kind of the biggest uh, fault there was uh um, offensive rebounds the the sixers dominated and turnovers the sixers were better in so obviously two points in a basketball game that you have to you have to win um i think the wizards might pull out a game or two 
in this series, but the 76ers are going to come up victorious. But um, let's give some credit to, to, to the Wizards, a team that a lot of people are counting out, and they're grinding the, the, these basketball games and playing really good basketball and making these games really competitive. And I think they're going to, you know, give uh, Philly a run for their money. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to win it by any means, but I think they're going to make this way more competitive than a, a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it all kind of falls on Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Like, if they play like shit, they don't have a shot. If they play well, they might be able to squeak some of them out. Trade in 76ers. Should Philly fans even really be worried? I mean, I think I think that you need to be cautious. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, the, the game was close. I mean, there there were thirteen, or I'm sorry, there were ten lead changes. I mean, that that's a that's a pretty even game, and it only ended up being a, a seven point game, which is you know that's a that's a great game for for an eight seed team against the, the you know the top team. I think they weren't they the top team in the, the in the league. So, I mean, that, uh, yeah, uh, or, in the East, not in the East. Not, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that says a lot. I mean, I, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, there's one, there's one key that, that Washington doesn't have, and that's Joel Embiid. I think that he's yeah, he, it, alone from his great run this year. Uh, he's this year, he's completely torched the, Torch the Wizards in particular. Um, he's averaged 30 points, 9.7 rebounds, and shot 60% against the uh, against the Wizards. And he he just he just gets up for those games. Um, so that's that, I mean that's a tough matchup. Um, even when you do have um, you know those those two big guys on the other side. That being said, I don't I, I don't really like. I mean, while it's it you know while the triple double guy himself is a is a great player. He he gives up a, he gives the ball away a lot more than he should he he you know and the rebounds just they're not getting the rebounds and i just think that they need to be you know they're gonna have to be a little bit more or the wizards are just gonna be have to be more aggressive in terms of you know maintaining uh joel Embiid, but that's just not gonna happen uh i just i i I don't think that that 76 fans need to be necessarily worried as much as they do need to be cautious i think that the longer this series goes i think that it actually may serve the 76ers a little bit it may serve well in that they'll be, they'll, you know, they'll get a bit more playoff experience. They'll get a little bit more prepared for that next game. I think if, I think if they just were to sweep them, they might not, they, they, they could, you know, rest a little, rest a little bit too much and not get, you know, back on the court. Uh, and I, and I think it's, it's in their best interest for these games to be a little bit closer so that they, you know, they can manage the, you know, manage the games, you know, throughout, you know, manage it throughout the game and deal with the ebbs and flows of, of what playoff basketball is all about. So um, that being said, don't be worried. 76ers fans, just, just be cautious. I do agree with you in the fact that I, I think we all, you know, we would be all shocked if the wizards beat 76ers in the seven game series. Um, Joel Embiid is one of those players in the NBA that is actually unguardable with his skill set. Um, he's too big. He's too strong. He's got a good shot. He's got moves around the rim that, uh, you just can't guard. I disagree with you on the longer the series. The other problem with Joel Embiid is he's a big-ass boy. He doesn't stay healthy. <laughs> he's had plenty of lower body issues in the past. And if they, if this is going to be finally the 76ers' years, they, I think they just want to play the least amount of games against teams they should destroy before they have to go up against Milwaukee or Brooklyn, possibly, in the Eastern Conference Finals because – Whoever, you know, or, I mean, I would be surprised if one of these other teams make it. We've talked about these big three in the East for a couple of months now, but 
So if the Sixers play one of those two other teams, that's going to be a hard-fought series. Um, so I actually – I think the 76ers have a very good reason to try to sweep the Wizards and keep Embiid off of his legs as much as possible because without him, they're fucked. Like, that's just the end of it. If they don't have Joel Embiid, they're not going to continue on. Um, yeah, that I can agree with. Yeah. So, I – yeah, 76ers fans, you'll be okay. Just hope Embiid stays healthy or you're screwed. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Okay. We're moving over to the West. Oh, oh hold on. Hold on. Okay. Right, if, if, if we, if we are going to sit here and say that Joel Embiid is the reason that, you know, the, the 76ers are the second, one of the top, was it the top three teams in the league, top team in the East is that's gotta be MVP worthy. Like, like top of the MVP list. Right. I think if he wasn't hurt, for such a long period of time, he would have been the favorite for MVP. But Jokic in the West has carried the Nuggets past the Jamal Murray injury. Um, and I think Embiid is in the top three uh, with Jokic and Curry, if I'm remembering correctly, for like the finalists. Um, so he'll definitely be top three. I don't think he's going to win, but um, we're going to get a though. big – it also hurts that Ben Simmons is in the running for defensive player of the year because I mean his war for that is pretty damn good. So like even if Joel Embiid wasn't on that team, Ben Simmons could have won the game a couple games because of his defensive abilities. Yeah. Um I yeah, he was definitely the favorite going going into you know halfway through the season until he had his uh bone bruise that we talked so much about. But uh, okay, now we're gonna move to the west. As long as it's okay with trading. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> the Lakers did end up beating the Warriors in a pretty amazing game, um, which just, you know, LeBron James acting skills aside in that. Um, <laughs> it was a great game. Um, some interesting calls by the referees, I'd say, on both sides in that game. Um, and then – Memphis ended up beating San Antonio and then Memphis ended up beating Golden State, which I don't think any of us thought was even remotely a possibility. So Golden State season is over. Um, but watch out because Clay Thompson's coming back next year. That team is going to be a hell of a lot better next year. So Golden State fans will be all right. Um, you'll just get some more rest for Steph and here we go. So um, same thing. We're going to start on the bottom half of the bracket. The two seed Phoenix Suns got matched up with the seven seed Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Phoenix did pull out game one. Um, it was pretty chippy, I would say. Um, we got we had some little fireworks. Uh, Tyler, start with you. Lakers are down one nothing. What do they need to do um, to get back into the series? Are you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, number one, obviously, the, the biggest takeaway from game one was how poorly Anthony Davis played. Um, he's got to be the Rockies. He, he, he's got to be their guy. He did not play well in game one. I think he will bounce back, and I think he will play a lot better in this series. He's just too good of a talent. I just, he, he just had a bad game. Um, so Anthony Davis playing a lot better is going to help them a lot. Um, number two, I think there, there's a little bit of a mismatch here with the Lakers and the Suns in the sense that the Lakers are really good. They're the best, they're the best defensive team in the NBA because they're really good at defending the three and they're really good at, good at defending the, the, the paint. They're not as good as defending the, mid, the mid-range jumper, which the Suns are really good at. 
Devin Booker and, and Chris Paul both are really good at, at, at the mid-range. Um, so that's where they're going to have to kind of figure out their, their defensive scheme a little bit and kind of and be able to to uh, to, to defend Booker a lot better on almost almost mid on that mid-range game. I think this Lakers team is a, obviously a, the best defensive team in the NBA. They will they will figure that out over, over a course of a seven-game series. Um, but honestly, to be honest, I'm a little surprised that um, this Lakers team is favored to beat the Suns. I think the Suns, honestly, like right now, are a better team. Um, I think the Lakers should be able to beat the Suns, and I think that they will eventually in um, over a seven-game series. But this Suns team's legit. Like a lot of people, I think, for some reason, don't really count the Suns as a great basketball team. I'm not really sure why. I think they've proven all season that they are like a top five uh, basketball team. Um, so the the Lakers are going to have their hands full. Um, I think, like I said, uh, that uh, AD will bounce back and he's going to play a, a a lot better. Um, and then, you know, I think that they're going to figure out the on, the on the the defensive side of the ball. I think the Lakers are good at you know when a bad game happens, they're good at kind of adjusting their game plan and and executing that on 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 the defensive side. So I think the Lakers will will, will figure this out. Uh, but I think it could go seven easy. So it's it, it's going to be a hard a hard fought series. But I think the, the Lakers will come out on top. Why do you think AD had such a bad game? Because I I think it's because AD and Drummond cannot play together. AD wants inside, so is Drummond. Drummond can't make an outside shot. Marcus All can. So I venture to argue that Marcus All should be in there a bit more than Drummond should be. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a big thing the Lakers have struggled with is their chemistry since everyone's come back. You know, they brought Drummond in because of the injuries and. Now they're all playing together. I think they're still trying to figure it out, which unfortunately during a playoff series is, is hard to, you know, figure out. It's, it's now or never. So um, I don't know. I think Frank Vogel is a great head coach. He's going to figure something out to get those guys playing the, the, the way they need to. I don't think it's going to be pretty though. I, I, I mean, the Lakers pretty much, we, I think talked about last week, they pretty much walked to the NBA title last year. This is going to be a completely different story. Like it's going to be a grind every single series. The Lakers just are not the same cohesive unit as they were last year but I think they still have a lot of key leaderships uh, people in place that are going to help them forward and kind of battle through this, you know, adjustment that, 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 that they have to make. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about the sense, but to put in, because I'm a Lakers fan, I'm going to put in my little two cents. James, I agree with you. I mean, we saw it at the beginning of that Warriors game, the AD and Drummond were on the floor together and the Warriors came out and smoked them. They were up by 13 and a half or something. They closed the game out. Drummond was nowhere to be seen. AD played the five. That's the Lakers' best lineup is when AD is playing the five. He doesn't want to, but if you want to win, you got to make sacrifices for your team. Um, Suck it up, bud. Yeah. Like, you want to go back to back? Fucking play the five, AD. Sorry. Um, for the Suns, first big problem already another Chris Paul injury in the playoffs. He did come back in the in game one. But, you know, we don't really know what the extent of that injury is, kind of what how how healthy he is. Um, and I personally think DeAndre Ayton is the biggest factor for the Suns. Devin Booker is going to score. He's a fucking monster. Chris Paul is going to do Chris Paul things. If DeAndre Ayton can give the Suns anything, if he, if he can help, what's happening? Uh, if he can help guard AD, Drummond, Marcus Gasol, it's going to be – that's going to be the game changer, I think. Um, DeAndre Ayton, number former number one overall pick, hasn't exactly had the greatest start to his career, but will – but he's played a lot better. It helps when you have a point guard like Chris Paul. I agree. I think this could go seven. Um, I do think the Lakers will 
eventually win it out. I just think there's too much talent on that team. And just an unfortunate draw for the number two seed Phoenix Suns, who had a great season. And you're right, Tyler. They have not gotten any respect. Um, and now this little injury to Chris Paul is just a little bit worrisome for Phoenix. But I also would not surprise me if they won. It would not. Um, you know, the Lakers team, they've just been hurt. It's just too much to go through. But that will be a very interesting series. Um, moving on to the 6-3 matchup, the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. Um, this is the first one so far. Um, well, I guess not really, but Portland won. A six, six, the six beat the three. Um, we talked we talk about the Nuggets quite a bit on this podcast, especially after the Jamal Murray injury. You know, what can the Nuggets do? Um, well, they lost game one. Portland won. Um, so, James, let's start with you. Uh, Portland won game one. What do they need to do to continue and possibly finish out the Nuggets? Keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> the Blazers have been on fire. They've won 11 of the last 13 games, and they have not shown any signs of slowing down whatsoever. Dame has... <laughs> been damn near averaging 30 points these last couple games and he put up 34 in game one the most underrated player in the league cj mccollum is averaging about 20 plus in the last nine games he's he's doing his part right there and the jamal murray effect is starting to wear down that nuggets team Jokic needs help he's been playing his heart out every single game for the last couple months and it's getting to the point where it's unsustainable he's continuing to play at that level but you can see the fatigue there I mean, he's giving his all every single game, and it's just like adrenal fatigue. That wears down on you over time. That's unsustainable until he gets help. That being said, the Nuggets were successful during the regular season because they had help from their role players, like Aaron Gordon, like Austin Rivers. Those guys played well, and they got to continue doing that now. That didn't necessarily happen in game one of the playoffs. If they can pull that off in the playoffs, then yeah, the Denver Nuggets are a pretty damn good complete team and can outscore the Blazers because the Blazers' defense is non-existent. But the fact of the matter is, if those role players don't step up and it's all on Jokic's shoulders, he can't do it all on his own. The Blazers have been to the playoffs multiple times over these last couple of years and have a multitude of playoff experience that can draw on that and outscore a Denver team without help. Traded, same question. What do the Nuggets need to do? get back into the series and can they beat the Blazers with how well they're playing and without their second star yeah they just keep doing what they're doing though (laughs) 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 I mean I guess if you take right now's game into consideration just keep doing what you're doing because you're winning um but um (laughs) look I I think that Jokic just needs to do his thing it's it's a I mean he he can he cannot be I mean we can assume that that's going to be the case so we have to look to, to James point we have to look deeper um, was it, I mean, the, the, the injury to Jamal Murray, I think was, you know, an, an issue was, a, it has been an issue. And I think that that will be an issue going forward, unless the, the team can find a way to, to, you know, replace him with depth, with, with depth, you know, stepping up, um, in times that, you know, are absolutely needed. Uh, Jokic is, is a menace and he's just going to be, and that's just the case. That's just that we, that's par for the course at this point. Uh, but I look at like players like Paul Mishap. That's that's veteran experience. That the uh, is what I, I did. I say it wrong. It's Millsap, Paul Millsap. 
That's what I you said. said mis- you said mishap. <laughs> no, I said Millsap for sure. It just sounded that way. I'm sure. Um, he, he has a, he has veteran presence that I think you need, you need that kind of, you need those players on that team to, to, to galvanize those younger players and, and bring, you know, bring out the, the I guess the, the depth stepping up to the plate and, and replacing what, I guess, I guess not really replacing, but trying to fill a gap that Jamal Murray has left. Um, Austin Rivers is in, is an interesting player that you know he's a streaky player, but he has he has the ability to break out, and I think that that will will help. Uh, uh, that that if if he can be that guy, then I think that that's a huge that that's huge. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has taken his scoring off to the next level. If he can continue doing that, you know this team has a chance to to get to to go past round one and and. They, we could see a deep run from this team. Um, although, but if those, you know, if those individuals aren't going to step up, if, if, if those things don't go right, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Blazers um, beat the, beat the, beat the Nuggets. I've had my issues with the Nuggets as of late. I think that they're just a little bit too streaky for me, but um, all that said, I think that, you know, when you have Jokic, you have a chance to, you have a chance to win a, a basketball game. And I think that, I think his surrounding supporting squad needs to, needs to realize that step up and, um, and they, and they can make a deep run. Yeah. I, I think you guys both nailed it. If Portland continues to play as well as they're playing, they can win. They need to play well offensively because James is right. Their defense is garbage. It's complete trash. So if they start shooting poorly, they're going to lose games. For Denver, you know Jokic is going to bring it. He's the MVP. Um, you need Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Austin Rivers, Paul Millsap, these guys to step up. And if they don't, they don't have a shot at beating Portland. Um, I feel like this one is out of all, you know, out of this Western Conference, sort of underrated or sort of hidden behind some of these other big matchups. Um, but this is one of the most intriguing matchups in the West right now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, Keep watching it. We'll see if Dame and CJ McCollum can bring it out or if MVP Jokic can carry his team to the second round. Uh, moving up in the bracket, the number four seed Los Angeles Clippers, because they apparently didn't want to play the Lakers early on. <laughs> and the number five seed Dallas Mavericks meet up again in back-to-back playoffs. Dallas got the better hand in game one and they beat the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, so let's start with the five seed Dallas Mavericks. Tyler, what do the Mavs need to do to beat the Clippers and uh, break Eric's heart? Yeah. Uh, so I think for the Mavericks, it comes down to a balanced scoring attack. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Donjas is going to be their guy. He's, he's going to come in and, and play great. But you, but you need to get uh, production out of everyone, which the, which the first game I thought they did a, a, a really good job. Um, so – they're going to have to keep doing that and they're going to have to keep sh- uh, shooting, shooting well from, from, from three, from three point range. Uh, Finney Smith um, also dropped 18 points and uh, Hardaway also dropped 21. So you're going to need guys like that in their, in their, in their starting lineup to really give this team a chance to, to beat the Clippers who on paper are much more talented, much more better basketball team than, than the Mavericks. But this, 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 this is the, uh, this is the NBA playoffs. And I think there's going to be a, a few upsets um, you know, with, with the way, if, if the Clippers were trying to lose and, you know, not kind of get the, that, that, that seed, I don't think that's a good way to, to go about things. And, you know, maybe they're going to get their, that would be amazing irony if they tried to, you know, lose to not face the Lakers and then they, they lose the first round to the Dallas Mavericks. So 
This is another one where I, th- I think it's going to be a lot closer of a series than a lot of people think. I, I, I guess the, I guess he was going six or seven, but I think the Mavericks, I think, have a good a good shot at, at, at taking down this, this Clippers team. But they're going to have obviously play really good basketball over over seven game series. But I mean, you know, be, being a being a, a five seed in the Western Conference is no small feat. This is a good basketball team. I think they got a shot. Yeah, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is the key. Um, you know, Luca is going to do Luca. You know, Porzingis is going to do him. If he can have some depth scoring, Dallas is, I mean, they're a top 10 offensive team in the league. Um, it kind of, they're kind of the same thing as Portland. If they don't play good enough defense, they're fucked. But if they play good enough offense, they can beat anybody at any night. Uh, James, Eric is not here. So you get the clip show. What You were like right on it. So Clippers, what do they, what do they need to do to come back in this series? And what do they need to do to beat the Dallas Mavericks? I was on it because the Clippers are my pick to win it all this year. Um, so Tyler mentioned it earlier. They have the talent, they have the personnel, but what they were lacking in game one was urgency. They came into this game kind of thinking that it's the Mavericks will kind of walk all over them. So I think losing game one was a good shot in the arm for them. It makes them change their perspective on a Mavericks team. Um, they also, they forced a lot of shots. They didn't take what the defense gave them. They literally walked up and shot it right in their faces doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but that's when I was overconfident. Like PG took way too many damn contested shots. And Taron Lu said in a press conference, he, he openly criticized his, uh, his shot selection. And I think that'll get through him and they'll work more on the offense and take what the defense gives them. And hopefully that'll, you know, pay dividends over time. Uh, you guys, Alex, you hit it right on the head. Um, earlier you had asked me about the Mavs a couple months, a couple weeks ago. You asked me how far they were going to go. And I said, it's not going to matter what Luca does because Luca's going to do whatever he's going to do. Like, you can't stop that. It's going to, the supporting characters are going to matter the most. And that's Porzingis and Tim Hardaway, which I'd mentioned earlier. You guys had mentioned earlier. That's going to be on them. That being said, I think game one for the Mavs was, the, was an anomaly. I mean, they shot damn near 50% from three. That's not going to happen every single night. Like, that's impossible to happen multiple times a night. Nobody's that good. Steph Curry's not that good in a game situation. It's not going to happen again. So if the Clippers take better shots and the Mavericks have a regression to the norm of probably a 42 to 41% uh, three-point shooting, then I think the Clippers take this one. Yeah, this we talked about this a couple times in the hockey segment last week. This kind of feels like one of those trap series that it wouldn't be all that surprising if the Clippers lost the Mavericks, but it feels like they shouldn't. Um, um, for a worry for Clipper Nation, Paul George played like shit in the playoffs last year. Trade, I mean, trade James, you pretty much just said Paul George not doing his best. He could be forcing it, you know, after his performance last year. You know, he's one of the big stars in this team. He needs to prove himself. Because it's kind of like the same thing. Kawhi's going to do Kawhi if Paul George and the rest of that team can do what they got to do. The Clippers are almost unbeatable. So, um, and it kind of also feels like what the Lakers went through last year. You know, they were the one seed. They lost to Portland in game one. And we all were like, uh-oh, was this something to worry about? And then they came back and won four straight. It wouldn't surprise me if this is a five-game series and the Clippers win the next four. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if this goes seven. Um, Luke has got another year underneath him. Um, it'll be a fun series. For Eric's sake, I hope that the Clippers do better this year because um, he was so sad last year. <laughs> um, moving on to the very last 
one, and then we'll have the boys pick their um, NBA Finals champions. We've got the Memphis Grizzlies as the eight, surprising eight seed against the number one Utah Jazz. Um, I saw this tweet earlier that I feel like their um, team should be switched. Like it should be the Memphis Jazz and the Utah Grizzlies because, like, yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a whole lot of Grizzly Bears in Tennessee, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about Memphis because uh, nobody wanted to talk about them. But they won. They won game one. John Morant carried them through the play-in tournament, and they beat Utah in game one. Uh, Donovan Mitchell did not play for the Utah Jazz, and he was pissed. Um, I think this, this Memphis team, we just talked about it at the beginning of this basketball segment. You want to come in playing hot. They came in playing hot. They had to win two games to get into the big dance. They're now in the big dance, and they knocked off the number one seed, Utah Jazz. Do I think Memphis can beat Utah in a seven-game series? No. But I do think they can make it fun, and John Morant is one of my favorite players right now. He is so much fun to watch. Um, they're going to need they're going to need everyone to score. They're going to need to play better, good defense. They're going to need to shoot well. Um, if they do that, I think the series can go a long way. But everything kind of needs to fall right for Memphis um, and Utah. You know, they're sort of like the Suns, and they were they've had the best record in basketball, but no one is really considering them a championship caliber team right now. And that sort of feels hurtful to them, I guess, because they're the one seed. They played great basketball all year long. Um, so do I think Memphis can beat the Utah Jazz? No, but I think it could be fun to watch. Uh, Trade in, finish this off. What do the Jazz need to do to even up the series? And what do they need to do to, to uh, beat Memphis? Yeah. So look, the last game I think was a little bit, I'll say it's a little bit fluky among among the fact that the Jazz just didn't play just didn't play inspiring basketball. Um, they turned over the ball way too much, um, and you know that that's a huge that, that's a huge thing when you're when when you're given a team that has nothing to lose, a little bit of life, a, t- a good team will take it regardless of how you know how skilled they are. A team that has has fought to be where they are is going to take that and run with it, and they did. Um, we can look at the Jazz making 25% uh, of their threes in the game. I mean, that's that's way below. Um, that, that's their second worst shooting performance of the entire season. So that we can only imagine, we can only um, expect that to be improved. I, it, I mean, look, if you if you if they miss or if they make you know a handful more or you know a few more, then they won the game. So you know, it's a uh, that, that's a huge thing. Uh, they need to they need to be better at at you know on the rebounds i think that they just weren't aggressive enough they just didn't play inspiring basketball and i think that that i think that that's really at the the, the crux of it uh and it kind of happens when you know they're top seed i think maybe they took i think they thought the grizzlies were a little bit below them maybe and just didn't play you know a great game but remember um i have a stat stat guy uh n- the number one seeds lost game one last season uh, and then the one, then they each won their next eight combined with an average 15 points per contest. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's just kind of a fluke, uh, maybe a little bit of nerves brushing off the rust that they're going to be okay. I think they're going to win. Um, and you know, the, the they'll, they'll move on. It, it was just an embarrassing, ugly home loss. I, th- I think you just got to chalk it up to that, get over it and, um, you know, realize what you did wrong, turn it around. And I think they'll be fine. Yeah, and it does look like Donovan Mitchell will play game two, um, which is on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, Utah fans, you probably don't need to be worried. It kind of sounds a lot like what James was just saying about the Clippers. They didn't. They did not come out and play very well. Maybe they did think that Memphis was a little bit beneath them. I think what we've learned during this whole thing is whichever team shoots the best from three is going to win the NBA championship. I don't know. We talked for an hour and we probably could have just, I could have said one sentence and we could have been done, but Hey, here we are. Um, okay. Final thing, boys, I want you to pick your two conference winners and then who is the NBA champion. Uh, let's start with you. Um, we'll say Clippers bucks and the bucks are going to win. James. I was, I'm also going to go Clippers and Bucks, and the Clippers are going to take that one. Ty Ty. I'm going to go Lakers and uh, 76ers, uh, but the 76ers will win the championship. Okay. I'm going to go Bucks. God, I don't like any of the teams out of the West winning. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Bucks, Clippers also, but I'm going to have the Bucks winning this time around. Um, I know that was a long one, but there we go. Uh, we're getting into the first round by next week. Some of these series will be done. Some of them won't be. Um, but James, that's, that's what I got for this week. Oh man. I love it. You guys remember when, uh, we had that conversation a while back about Donovan Mitchell and I was going to be back in like a couple days and play just as well as he was prior to injury. Tyler, that never happened. He still has yet to play. So if you listen to anything Tyler just said, he's wrong about all those things. Anyway, continue to stay tuned and see if we're actually right, except for Tyler. Uh, We're going to take another quick break and return. Traden is going to go into depth about the NHL playoffs and his Oilers. It's going to be a big one. A lot of emotions. Be be right back. (laughs) Welcome back. Remember how in the intro I talked about Drayden being emotional about the Oilers and crying and breaking his computer? Well, it's going to come to its apex right about now. Drayden, it's all you, man. Yes. So, but I'm not going to get into the emotional stuff quite yet. Um, I'm going to save that for towards the end. I don't want to, you know, open up my segment on a, on a bad note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and give you my long winded discussion about my Edmonton Oilers. We're going to start over at the East. We're just going to kind of give everybody a refresher on, on how the playoffs are, are shaping out. There are a couple of teams that have already advanced. Um, and I mean, I don't think that we are necessarily surprised. We're maybe a little bit surprised by one of them being so being that short. Uh, and that's the one, well, that one will be the second one we talk about. Um, but you know, we, the other one was not surprising at all. <laughs> so uh, let's start over at the East. Uh, we have the, the first seed Pittsburgh Penguins tr- now trailing the New York Islanders three to two in that series. They have just traded games back and forth. And this last game went to second overtime um, where the Islanders took the, took the game. And I was just thinking that that game that I, I, I really couldn't believe a, in a scenario how the Islanders could, could, you know, win this series. I just, it, they were getting, def- they were getting beat all over the ice. Their goaltending is really just keeping them in. I don't know, uh, Tyler, have you, have you caught any of the, of the games between the Islanders and Penguins? I uh, caught a little bit of some of the overtimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Islanders are doing their thing where they just, they come in and they're not, they're not going to wow you, you know, and they're, but they're going to find a way to win. They're just one of those hockey teams that just grind it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're in come playoff time. They just have that, 
factor in them that makes them competitive, even on paper, this Penguins team should be throttling this Islanders team, and it's just not yes. happening. Um, and they're up in the series, and they're a game away from ad- ad- advancing to, to play Boston. It'd be crazy, you know. It's I mean that that's hockey. Uh, it, it's 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 such a crapshoot in the playoffs, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about a, a, a lot this segment. But uh, yeah, I mean it 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 surprises me, but it also doesn't at the same time because it's just it's the way the Islanders play. They find a way to just grind out wins. Yeah, I mean th- th- that's just kind of that's just kind of the way that Barry Trotz plays his games, right? And I mean, I want to I want to point to one to one stat that I think is absolutely flooring. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, the goaltender for the Islanders, is at a .944 save percentage. That's before today's, and I was just trying to look up what his save percentage was after this game. He has absolutely been phenomenal, and I think that he's a huge, if not the main reason, that they're even there. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be straight up with you guys on that one. Uh, something that, I mean, James, I just wanted to point out the top line in, uh, in rust and, uh, rust, uh, uh Crosby and I, I, did they have, I think they have, I'm not sure if they have Kapanen up there. I can't remember. Kapanen. Yeah. Is it Kapanen? Yeah. They haven't played very well. I mean, offensively, do you, do you worry about that for this team? I mean, do you think that they can figure something out in this game six to, you know, force a game seven. Yeah. Sidney Crosby is going to be clutch there. Um, you mentioned the top line, but honestly, I don't think that they haven't been there offensively all the way, but it's not all on them. Since I've given Malkin's been back, he hasn't been great. Mm-hmm. And he's taking time away from Jeff Carter. And mm-hmm. Jeff Carter has been stellar since he arrived yeah. in Pittsburgh. And I honestly think Jeff Carter needs more time than Malkin does because Malkin is not 100%. He says his knee is good, but he sure as hell does not look like it. The dude committed like so many penalties and so many turnovers, not this game, but the last game where they lost five to one. Like it, he's, he doesn't look comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. He's doing more harm than good. Jeff Carter needs more time. Put Jeff Carter there more often. He's been done, he's done nothing but good things since he got to Pittsburgh. Let him keep hey. producing. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Alex, are you surprised by Jeff Carter's incredible play? No, fuck no. Jeff Carter's the kid. Uh, <laughs> no, but not, I mean, a little bit, but he's got 12 goals in 19 games or something like that. Um, I think he's got three in these playoffs already. You know, he's not, he does definitely does not have the pedigree of Malkin, but James is right. Malkin has been hurt. He's, you know, still getting his legs underneath him, whatever it may be. He may be healthy but he's not playing up to the level that he should be. Um, these games have all been close, and that's what the Islanders want. Other than game four, they've all been one-goal games. We've got two OT games in this series. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you want to be blowing the Islanders out in these games. Like You want to be scoring a lot of goals, and they haven't been. And I think you're right. The Islanders goalie is one of the main reasons that they're doing so well. Um, I think this can go to game seven, and I hope it does because – we're not looking like a ton of them are going to go to game seven in round one. So I'm hoping this series does. I agree with you. Uh, James, to your point, um, to, to be fair, I, I just looking at the stats and I think that you could probably, you know, continue, I take your advice and even expand it, but Jeff Carter ha- does have a higher average time on ice over the last four games relative to Malkin's two uh, by four minutes. But I, I guess that they're seeing the same thing. Malkin's just not there yet. Um, so I mean, in this last game, 
Malkin yeah. has three more minutes than Carter. There you go. So, th- so the 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 average probably is going to balance out. This is, mind you, these stats are a little bit stale from t- they had don't, don't have today's games updated. Um, just before I um, I ask you guys who you think is going to win the series, Tristan Jari has a point nine oh four save percentage against a team that doesn't get very many shots against a team that's defensively minded. That's not a recipe for success. So. Um, I can't, I, unless they can find a guy who can make a save, don't be surprised if the Islanders win the series somehow. Um, and again, this is 904. This is before today's game. So um, excuse me if I'm a little stale. Uh, James, who's going to win the series? Penguins. Penguins. Tyler? Um, I'm going to go with the Islanders on this one. Upset first round. Upset first round. Alex? Penguins. Jeff Carter's going to go. Oh, I love it. Um, I I think think that the next game is going to be another one goal game. And um, I'm going to say Pittsburgh forces game seven. And I think they they can pull out a win in the uh, in the series. Um, Moving on to the series that ended um, the Boston Bruins, I guess you could say upset the Washington Capitals if you look at the seeds. But we thought that these two teams were pretty close. I mean, I in terms of their team makeup, uh, is anybody here? surprised that Boston I guess the biggest surprise was they was they won in five games is anybody surprised by the you know shocking I mean I and and the fact that Boston went four games in a row um, after dropping the first game in overtime three uh, before I before I finish my question there's three games straight that went to overtime uh, the first three games did so they're all very close one goal games um, some crazy stat bef- um, before the game four where it was a 4-1 game and this last one was a 3-1 game these two teams had had 13 straight one goal games since they've seen each other over the, over the course of playoffs and the regular seasons. That's absolutely insane. These two teams were very closely matched. James, were you surprised that Boston w- found a way to close it out so quickly? No, it, Taylor Hall effect right there. <laughs> he re-energized that team. I mean, it, he adds a different dimension that wasn't there before. It's a different style of play that people don't really account for. Mm-hmm. And he's producing at a higher level because of it. Because mm-hmm. they, defenses are set up in a way to defend what they think is the Bruins game plan. And then Taylor Hall comes up out of nowhere and just completely disrupts that and throws it away. It throws defenses for a loop and it's working really well right now. Yes. And that, that perfection line is always going to produce. So I ain't worried about that one, but it, that Taylor Hall effect, man, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with that. They, he, they do add the depth scoring that they needed that that top line is doing their job. The top line, the perfection line, we call it the Pasternak, Badger Bergeron, Marshawn line have are, are completely doing their job no problems there and they're finally getting um, depth scoring from the likes of taylor hall and jake debrusque has three points i'm a huge De- I'm jake debrusque brand um his father is our uh uh color analyst and i and, and i really like him and i because he was a former oiler and i really like jake debrusque i really hope that he becomes an oiler in his future um tyler i want to ask you about the the goaltending for washington um and i guess overall you know, rate they ended this this uh, series with a 0.908 save percentage among the three of them, which is awful. Um, do you, do you think? I mean, how concerned are you for this team going forward after that pretty dismal display of goaltending? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I talked about last week. Is you know, I think I think that was Boston's edge in this matchup was the lack of experience and on the goaltending side of things for for Washington. And yeah, it is a concern. Um, I mean, I'm, the goaltending is so important. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious, but, you know, having guys that, that show up, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's their first, for a few of the guys, you know, their, their first post-season experience. So 
I think that they still have some talent there that, that they can develop, but um, yeah, that's going to be a huge need. They're going to have to address whether they're going to develop some of those guys, if they're going to bring someone in um, because that performance is just not going to win you championships. It's just not. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that's going to be probably their number one priority going into the off season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, I, I won't, I won't bore us with the details um, talking about the Washington off season. I will, there will be a time for that in this, in the, uh, in the off season. Um, Alex, bef- uh, I wanted to ask you about the Boston Bruins. Um, is this team going to be the Eastern conference or the Eastern division winner, just given their strong play? I didn't pick them to go that far, um, but uh, what's your name? James is right. The Taylor Hall effect is real. Apparently didn't know that could actually be a thing. Um, but right, but right now, I mean, granted they, that series, they could have been down three, nothing. They went to two OT games, obviously. Um, if the Capitals had better goaltending, it might've, this could, we could be talking about something completely different right now. True. Um, but that top line, and now that they have the, I mean, we talked about that the last, you know, coming into the, coming into the playoffs. Okay. That top line's great. What else have they got? And now they've got it, you know? So Boston, it feels like they're the best team in the East right now, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the playoffs. Who knows? Um, and on the capital side, disappointing end, and this could be a really interesting off season for them. It really could. And I really want to get into that in the, in the off season. I think that that team might be blown up. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, this is I agree. Early I actually season. really think there might. Yeah. Um, there, there are some issues there. Um, so I'm not going to ask you who's going to win the division or win the series. It's awesome. obvious. <laughs> um, I think Boston can come back. State percentage. <laughs> Tukarask at a 0.941 save percentage is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I, w- I would be very intrigued to see this team play the Islanders and what a goaltending um, battle that would be. Um, so there, that is the East for you guys. It is halfway done. Um, we'll see next week if, uh, if it's going to end. Uh, well, it will end. Pittsburgh or, or New York will be the team to, to move on. It will be over before our next po- uh, pod. So moving on to the Central, um, talking about the closer one of the two, uh, talking about the Carolina. First seed Carolina is tied with the, Na- with, the, with the fourth seed Nashville Predators, two to two. What a scrappy, scrappy team from, from these Nashville Predators winning two back-to-back games in second overtime. That's an extra 80 minutes of hockey, almost 80 minutes of hockey. Um, Alex, I, I, I thought Carolina had this in the bag. Are you worried if you were – would you be worried if you were a Carolina Hurricanes fan? I thought Carolina had it in the bag too. Uh, I picked them as my Stanley Cup champion, so I'm not super loving these last two right. games. When these games went into OT, I was like, okay, Nashville, you're a little little feisty, a little scrappy. Okay, okay, okay. They lost game three. That's not that big of a deal. Oh, they lost game four. Interesting. Um, <laughs> to be honest, no. I mean, the Predators, we just talked about in the basketball segment, the Predators did have to fight their way in uh, to get into the playoffs. And we, you know, we think those basketball tournaments, they won some games. Um, I still think the Hurricanes are just too good to, to lose this series to the Predators. But we said that about Tampa and Columbus, you know, that happened two years ago. Tampa was the best team, regular season team ever, and then got swept. Um, if on a scale of one to 10, my worry, if I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan, is like a four. Um, mm-hmm. If they lose game five tomorrow, it jumps up to about an eight. 
Um, but Obviously, because yeah. they lost both those games in OT, um, I, I still think that Carolina is just too good to, to lose to the Nashville Predators. Um, but it also kind of wouldn't surprise me all that much. I mean, it would surprise me, but I could see the Predators just scrapping their way into a win uh, in the win of the series. Yeah. Uh, James, you're chomping at the bit. I said Predators and your eyes lit up. How are you feeling? I know you really like to follow the Predators. How are you feeling about this team? And do you think, and what do you think it is that's giving them this, you know, giving them the, a chance to upset the Carolina Hurricanes here? Yeah, I feel like a genius. You got a yeah, you bit of that Alex complex going on right now. You are. Oh, <laughs> thanks, bud. Yeah, I got you. It's. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, y'all didn't see this shit coming. Nobody saw this coming. Not like I said, they're probably going to lose, but it would be fun to put up a fight. And they're putting up a fight, man. Like I texted you the other day. You got Preds are scrappy. They're, I think they had eight shots on goal in that first period and scored on two of them. Like those goals do not look good. They're not something that you put on a highlight reel. They're kind of lucky. But as I had mentioned before, luck is preparation, is where preparation meets opportunity. And they've been prepared for the last couple of months. Alex just mentioned they've been playing playoff hockey for the last couple months and their opportunity to bring that experience and that intensity and that depth is coming to fruition right now. So that luck is that preparation opportunity coming together and those goals, man, they may seem lucky, but they've done some shit to earn it. Mm -hmm. Talk about, could it be karma? I don't, I don't know. Could it be some other force? I don't know. The Preds should not be anywhere in this series. The hurricanes are a much better team through and through. Um, but the fact of the matter is they're still up there battling because they're not giving up and their leaders are doing the same exact thing. They got Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi. Those two have been on there for a long time. And I mean, Ellis is leading them with four points. It does not seem like a lot of points. Four points is not a lot. Jim playoffs. Oh, that, that's a lot. That's a point of game. That's a point of game. That, that's a lot. So he's doing a lot right there to you know, do his thing. <laughs> and then <laughs> Roman Yossi is leading with time on ice. And those are two leaders who are producing and, using that leadership on the ice and helping you right then and there. And I had mentioned last week, the UC Saros thing, dude is killing it, man. He's making incredible saves left and right. He's keeping them in game single-handedly because the defense isn't always there. They're, I mean, UC Saros is taking shot after shot after shot after shot. And he's, he's making those saves and it's incredible yes. to see. Um, I want the Preds to take this series so bad. <laughs> I'm really, really hoping for it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing. I think UC Saros, to your point, is is a huge part of where they are. Um, Tyler, I guess that begs the question. I mean, I, it, it, I'm seeing that the the top guys, so your Svechnikovs, uh, Aho does have five points, um, but Svechnikov is a big question mark. He he has one goal, and he's kind of and kind of has the ability to to take over a game in you know every now and then, and ha- and has a shot that's that's incredible. Are you worried about the, this? the Carolina team's ability to score because it's, it's, they have, they, they are well out shooting the, the Nashville Predators by a pretty wide margin and they just can't find the back of the net. Are you concerned about that? Um, I'm kind of similar, Alex. I'm not super concerned. Another loss or so. Yeah. I'm going to start getting concerned. I mean, this, this, this uh, Carolina hurricane hurricanes team has such a well-balanced scoring attack. I think eventually those pucks will find the back of the net. Um, for me, it's more on, on, on the defensive side that they need to shore up. They let two goals in the first two games of the series and they let nine in, in, in the two games in, in, in Nashville. So that right there needs to change. So obviously the, the Preds made their adjustment, you know, the 
Hurricanes got got hit in the in, in, in the mouth a little bit. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see how they adjust back. I think this this Hurricanes team is is too good to kind of let those ebbs and flows get the best of them. They're 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 going to stay level headed, and I think that they'll that 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 they'll figure it out. So um, obviously, you know, putting shots on on goal is always a good thing. But at the end of the day, it's who has more goals than the other team. Um, but I, I, I do think that the Hurricanes will, will eventually win it. I just think they're too good of a team. Um, but the Preds, as, as you guys have mentioned, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to put up a fight, and I think it's going to be a great series. Yeah. Um, well, you answered my, my final question. You think Carolina is going to take it? Alex, what do you think? Yeah, they have to because they're my Stanley Cup champion. So Carolina will win this. Will win this series. I'm going to make a guess that you have Nashville winning this series. Yeah, I do. At a boy, hey, you know, I think that you know I'm not betting on it. But don't so don't even. Oh, of course I mean, not. Nashville, Nashville did get me fifty bucks from James. So like, <laughs> there you go. If they if they lose if they win, I won't be too upset about it. No, that that that's <laughs> take the fifty bucks. Um, that is very true. Um, and you know you can you can change your mind on who you think is going to win based on the information that you have at any given time. And and Nashville's putting up quite a fight. Um, I moving on to the other, the, the battle of Florida, the other, uh, the second seed Florida Panthers are trailing the Tampa Bay lightning three to two after quite a, a shot to me, a shocking, um, um, answer to what, 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 after that first game, we, t- I talked, you know, to le- at length at the first game, the lightning completely have been dominating the Panthers. I know that the one game was an OT game, but just watching the Tampa Bay lightning play, it, they just seem like it, they just, nah, that first game was just a little rust. Wait, let, let me, uh, you know, it was a one goal game. They just didn't, they just didn't quite, you know, bring in their, their a game and, Oh, they have, they really, really have, um, you know, winning three, one, the next game, six to two game four. Yes. They did give up a, a, a loss to the Florida Panther or to the Panthers today, four to one. And the Panthers looked like they were fighting back. Maroon took a very stupid penalty at the end of the game. And I, I would assume he is actually, he may face suspension. I don't know. I haven't really, I didn't, I haven't really heard about that. Um, Tyler, I wanted to ask you, do the Panthers have a chance to force game seven against these, the mighty Tampa Bay lightning? Yeah, they have a chance. Uh, I don't think they will though. I think, I think the Tampa Bay lightning, um, as you mentioned, they, they've come back and they responded, but you know, th- this Panthers team ain't going away. I mean, they were one of the best mm-hmm. teams and I think we had them finishing in our top five in the power rankings, I believe at the end, 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 yep. of, the, end of the season. So I mean, this Florida Panthers team, they're, they're going to come out fighting. They're not going down. But, I mean, this Tampa Bay Lightning team, man, I, I've always had them, I think, higher than a lot of you guys have had just because I feel like they are – I mean, they won the Stanley Cup last year for a reason. They are a championship-quality hockey team, and they're going to show it when the light shines the brightest, and that's, and that's happening right now. And, yeah, they, they, they lost game, game five, um, but I'm not too worried about it. I think they're going to come back game six and finish this thing up. Yeah. Um, Alex, I want to ask you, these are high scoring affairs. I mean, these are high scoring games. Vasilevsky is at a 0.919 save percentage, which is not bad, but it's not Vasilevsky. Are, are you worried about them? Are you worried about, assuming Tampa Bay moves on, are you worried about them going forward? I mean, a, a little bit. I mean, Vas- it's been five games. He's given up 17 goals. I mean, if you were, if, I mean, if you would say, if I told you, hey, trade in game by game five, fast, let's see if you have 17 goals, do you think they'd be up three to two? No. I mean, probably not. I guess a very good Florida team. Um, so I am, I am a little worried. I mean, he's given, I mean, he's given up 
four, five, six goals in games. And that is very un esque mm-hmm. of him, whatever, of him. Um, so moving forward a little bit, yeah, because if you end up meeting Carolina – well, sorry, when you end up meeting Carolina <laughs> in, <laughs> in the next round, that's a very, you know, Tyler just said it, that's a very skilled scoring team. Um, I'm a little worried, uh, but I, I think Tampa will, will be able to finish this out. The, the game 3-1 is kind of a – it hurts, though. They scored five goals in the second and then lost an OT, with like the, only the third team ever or something like that, to score five goals in a – in a one period in a playoff series and then lose that game. This could have been a sweep. It was this close to being a sweep. And now the Panthers have some life and, you know, Barkoff and Huberto can, can carry this team and they've got a shot. Al, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I wanted to ask James Kucherov has nine points. Killorn has seven. Victor Hedman has seven. Steven Stamkos has six. Is this one of the greatest offensive teams <laughs> in the in the league currently? I mean, the, and and oh, m- mind you, this is Kucherov's four first four games of the season, and he has See, nine points. This is exactly why I thought Ryan Ellis having four points was not a lot because I saw stats like this. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. And I mean, Nathan McKinnon had nine points too. Like I was like, oh, four points is nothing. No, it, it, it is. I mean, point per game is all, is pretty damn good. Uh, to answer your question, yeah, dude. Uh, I don't actually. I don't know if it's a function of great offense or poor goaltending because uh, the Panthers as a whole have Fair enough. 0.856 yep. save percentage. Like, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> that's really, really, really bad. Holy Bob was not doing his job, bro. Oh, he ain't worth that. He ain't worth that multi-million dollar deal. That is, that is not showing right now. He is, in trains were literal Swiss cheese. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in years past, yes, they've been a great offense. Um, I don't think that this is a good test to determine if that offense is still the same. Fair enough. Move on to the next round. And when you're against the Preds, when you see Soros, <laughs> then we'll know. Fair enough. Uh, James, who do you have winning this series? Lightning. Uh, uh, Tyler? Uh, yeah, I saw Lightning. And Alex? Yeah, I've got the Lightning. I th- I think given the, given the Panthers' um, scrappy game, I think they may force a game seven. But at the end of the day, Tampa is just going to – either whether it's six or seven, Tampa is going to come out. I mean, they they after that first game, something clicked, and that's what sometimes happens to good teams. And I think this goes back to, Alex, your segment. The Jazz just needed to lose that game. You wait, and they're just going to go off. Like, it's just it's just how it goes. Um, and so with that, um, we are going to move on to the West. We're going to keep this very short. Um, the first se- uh, the first seed Carolina – Carolina. Colorado Avalanche – swept the st louis blues i'm just gonna keep this brief is uh james are you surprised no dude i mean like honestly the abs scored almost scored more goals in one game than the blues did the entire series i mean the abs had a game with six goals and then the uh, blues had seven goals all series long like kind of crazy yeah um I guess I want to, I guess there's not much to say. I don't really want to spend much time on this one. Um, I I guess I want to ask Tyler, if you were the avalanche, who would you rather play Minnesota or Vegas? Uh, I mean, in terms of an easier path to the, uh, or path forward, I would want to rather pay, rather play Minnesota, but you want to take down the best, you know, and you want to, you want that matchup against the Vegas golden Knights. And I think hockey wants it. And I think if you're Colorado, you're going to want that one too. 
um, just because you're going to want to have that series in hand and to, you know, look back on this. If you're, you know, you're obviously you're going to want to win the Stanley Cup. You look back on that, on that uh, round. Well, you throw, yeah. Um, but, uh, and you're going to say we beat, you know, probably the best team in the, in the Western Conference other than our, our, ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think they're going to want to play Vegas. I think just from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would probably agree with that. Um, I, I think, I think either, either way you slice it. Um, I, I honestly, and we'll get to this. I do think Colorado is going to face Vegas and I think it's going to be probably the, the, the tightest um, series that we'll see this, at least in the first two rounds. Um, I think that it's just going to, it's, it's going to be such a dogfight, and I'm, and I'm going to love every minute of it. Um, I wanted to ask Alex about the blues. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly has three, had three points. Robert Thomas, which I think is their second line center had three points. Those are their top score, top point getters. And I think that less over half didn't even register a point. I mean, is this, is this a team that is going to be blown up as well? They kind of have to, I think the biggest problem is their best, their actual best player is Vladimir Tarasenko. And he is, he might be done. Like he might be done just with his career. He's had, I think it's three shoulder surgeries now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's multiple. Um, and he's, I mean, maybe, maybe Ryan O'Reilly is their best player, but he's their best goal scorer on that team. And he was terrible. Um, I think it is. It's crazy how they won the cup two years ago. And yeah, they might, they might blow it up. Um, it, I mean, they, let's be real they had a 0% chance of beating the abs. Like, yeah, they were, the abs are just so good. Um, I, yeah, it, it's probably time to blow it up. And that kind of sucks for Ryan O'Reilly who, you know, he comes there, he wins the cup in his first year and then the team goes downhill and now they might blow it up. Um, you know, after he spent time in Buffalo. So that's never fun. Um, yeah. Blow it up St. Louis. Sorry. I, I have all the time in the world for Ryan O'Reilly. I love Ryan O'Reilly. Jordan Bennington, I think is a one hit wonder. Um, I, I don't yeah, think that they're going to be able to, to pull that. To, I, he hasn't shown anything since that run. Um, Didn't they just give him a shit ton of happens. money? What's that? Didn't they just give him a crap ton of money? Yes. Man, Dude, I, I feel like goalies like running backs. Like once you pay them, they don't do well. <laughs> like closers and baseball. I can, yeah, I, I yeah. That's a good <laughs> comp, actually. Uh, I mean, you, you could. I mean, I'd have to go back in history. There's going to be some exceptions to that rule. Um, I obviously, think yeah, yeah. gets paid quite a bit, but um, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right on that. Um, and it's then that's really unfortunate. Um, moving on to the other team, uh, other series in the West that is going on right now, and I believe the Minnesota Minnesota is beating Vegas three to one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the the second seed Vegas Golden Knights are beating the Minnesota Wild. I believe it's a three. I believe that series is three to one, uh, unless barring anything that happens, you know, barring what happens today. So the Wild is are facing elimination. They are up three to one after the first period. Um, Alex, I'm going to keep the. I'm going to keep this uh, simple. Can the Wild force a game six today? Game six, yeah, hundred percent. Two, unfortunately though, two two goal leads in hockey are the worst leads. That's a they proven are. fact. Unless you're the Oilers um, I, and it's three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do think they can. Um, Kirill the Thrill did get his first playoff goal, so that's a good thing. Um, you know, if he, gets, if he was only getting his first one in game five, 
Um, I think they can force a game six. Unfortunately, I don't think they've got enough to beat Vegas. Yeah. Um, James, I was concerned about Vegas's ability to score after that first game. Uh, that was a, that was a, you know, zero, zero game until the, until one shot made it a, uh, you know, force the wild to win. And then Vegas went, goes on this crazy streak. Are you surprised that they, I, I, I guess, are you surprised that they, you know, finally found their scoring or were you kind of worried early on as well? I think it was worried early on mostly because of last, you know, in the bubble, they didn't score either. So it's kind of like, Oh, is this going to be Vegas's thing where they don't score in the playoffs? But I mean, that was quickly rebuffed. Uh, Mark Stone has a point per game because he has four points right now. Um, the fact of the matter is, like, that'd be okay. I think they're just messing with the Wild. Make <laughs> it like they have a shot because Vegas can easily flip the switch and just dominate them. Yeah. Um, the the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have 10 goals, four, and the uh, the Wild have four. Through before today, before today, so um, they had yeah. four goals. <laughs> yeah, that, well, now they have true. seven, so they've almost yeah. doubled it. <laughs> uh, Tyler, Mark Andre Furry has a 0.966 save percentage. I know it's way early, but is is he on track for the con Smythe already? <laughs> uh, yeah, Furry is on smart. It's on track. Yeah. <laughs> The con Smythe. Uh, yeah, dude, this, this dude's amazing. He continues to, to defy father time. I mean, he, he the, the way he's going, I mean, you got to look back. He's probably, you know, one of the greatest, you know, of, of all time to, to play goalie in the, in, the, in, the, in the National Hockey League. I mean, he's killing it. He, like I said, every, everyone every year is like, oh, he's, he's, he's going to be too old. He's not going to be able to do well. And he just shuts it, and he shuts it down. Um, and you just, you got to respect a guy like that, you know. He's the Phil Mickelson of uh, the, 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 the NHL right now. Old guy just kicking everyone else's ass. I love it. That was arguably the best. Yeah, that, was, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was really applause, great. Tyler. Oh, and I know this isn't a golf segment, but really congratulations to Phil Mickelson winning that, the PGA Championship. That was phenomenal, um, especially as a left-handed golfer. It really, <laughs> really means a lot. Your boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, I I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep this simple. I don't th- I think Minnesota maybe forces Game Six, but then it's gonna be over. I think I think James, you got a point. I think they're just toying with them at this point. <laughs> um, and and um, and I think that Flurry's easily on his on the track for for Con Smythe. Let's go around the horn quickly. Um, uh, James, who's gonna win the series? Vegas. Yeah, Alex. Vegas. Vegas and Colorado. Tyler, we're gonna see Vegas and Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna see Vegas, Colorado. <laughs> um, finally, moving on to the to the north. Ugh. Hey. Let's start with the <laughs> with the one that I actually haven't got to catch much. I saw a little bit of today's game, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I they fi- they did finish their game, and Toronto is leading two to one after after um, winning their game today, two to one. Um, James, are Look, your Habs are, are fighting a, a good, are playing a good team. They're playing a really good team offensively, uh, but these games have been fairly close. Uh, are you know? I guess for the most part, do you how how do you feel about your Habs going into Game Four? Dude, they they piss me off. And they <laughs> they piss me off a lot Fair. because this their losses and their bad play is self inflicted. They literally can't stay out of the penalty box. Like, there was a stretch of time in yesterday's game or whenever I was. Yeah, it was yesterday, Sunday. Um, 
they were in the penalty box for eight straight minutes. Like they killed the penalty, they killed three penalties, but then finally gave up, gave up on the fourth uh, penalty. But dude, like you're not helping Carey Price, you're not helping your defense, you're not helping anybody if you're gonna be a man down for eight straight minutes. That's a lot of tired skaters out there. Mm-hmm. And there's zero defense. Carey Price is getting pelted with shots left and right. I think he has like twenty plus more saves than um, the other uh, Campbell does. And yep. it's just ridiculous, man. It's like there's no offense there. I don't know why Dominic Ducharme decided to sit Cole Caulfield for the first two games and then put him out for the third game finally. Like that dude, he's a prospect and he's young, but he's electric. He played in 10 games during the regular season and he had like seven points. And you're not going to put him out there for the playoffs? Dude, what are you doing, man? I'm, it's an interim job for you? Show out. Give me your yeah. best hand. It, why are you holding people out? It, That's crazy it, to me. That That is absolutely insane. I, I totally agree. Um you got to have Colfield out. He, he's, he's been sensational. And in, 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 even in the small sample size, you got to, you got to play him. You got to play him. Um, Alex, I don't know if you saw what happened to John Tavares game one. Did you happen to see that? I did see it. Yeah. First of all, brutal. It, it was brutal. It was very, I, I you know, I, I feel for the guy. Um, my biggest issue with it. And, and incidentally, it, ha- it, it, it involved Corey Perry. Imagine that. Did you see the play? I wanted to ask you, do you think that was intentional? No, I do not think that is in, that was intentional. Um, I feel like it's pretty pretty clear that Perry was trying, you know, because Tavares got hit. He was going down. Perry's skating by. I feel like it's pretty clear that he was trying to get out of the way, and it was incidental knee-to-head contact. I think if it – I mean, and you probably agree with me, if it wasn't Corey Perry that – the whose knee contacted Tavares's head, the the question wouldn't really have come up. Um, I'm not a fan of Corey Perry, right? Uh, being a Kings fan, um, and him playing for the Ducks for so long, but I will give him credit. I don't think this was intentional, and he did go over, um, and you know, give Tavares a little tap on his way out. And I actually, I learned, I didn't had no idea, but they're actually pretty good friends off the ice. Um, they've come up together through the Canadian youth teams and they've played on national teams together. So um, no, I do not think that was intentional. So with that said, and I, and Tyler, I want you to um, ch- chime in on this as well. I, did you see the play Tyler? Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, Nick Foligno then thought it was right to fight Corey Perry after that. And in any other instance, as soon as I, I didn't see the play, but I did see the fight after it. And, and immediately before I saw the hit or before I saw the play, I was like, Oh, Corey Perry did something dirty how can one of you guys explain to me how that is worthy of having to answer any kind of bell? Yeah. So I think, and it's funny that's Nick Foligno of all people, because he's been in Toronto Maple Leaf for about half a second. Like he got (laughs) traded there later this year or earlier this year, you know? Um, I think it's just one of those things where, again, it's kind of the flip flop here where it's Corey Perry, you got to do it. And from what I understand, Foligno was like, all right, bro, we're doing this. And Corey and everyone else is kind of like, yeah, I don't really know if they need to. And Corey Perry's like, I get it. We have to do it. Let's go. So props, I don't really hate saying this, but props to Corey Perry because he did it. Um, I don't really think that was warranted of the drug gloves dropping personally. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things where it's some hockey code that is sort of this mythical thing. It's sort of like the unwritten rules in baseball where you don't really know what any of it means. And it's kind of, it fits into certain categories based on the players and history and all this other crap. But 
I didn't really think it was uh, necessary to fight, but props, I guess, to Corey Perry for like doing it. Tyler, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I just to kind of play devil's advocate, I just I think with the emotions of it being game one of the playoffs and it being your captain that goes down, your 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 best player, incidental or not, you know, I think to get your team kind of back into the fight, because I think you see that and everyone is kind of just it, it's is uh, shook by that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of get back into the fighting mentality. I think that's why that that was decided. And I think, you know, you know, Perry, as as a. Uh, Alex said, you know, kind of, kind of just wore it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think he understood that was why, what, well, you know, I, I think, I don't think there's any misunderstanding of it being intentional or not. Um, I just think this, the, given the circumstances of it being John Tavares and it being game one of the playoffs, um, just to kind of get things back to competitive hockey after that scary moment, I think was the reason behind it. I don't think that there was a intentional, I don't, I don't think anyone thought it was intentional. I just think in that situation, that's why it happened. I can buy that. And I think my, my biggest issue about it, and I'm going to be honest, I, the biggest problem that the Toronto Maple Leafs have been known to have is have toughness and have the ability to stand up for a teammate. And it's ironic that it happens during a time where it had no warrant, no necess- like they did, they, there was no need for that fight. Nick Foligno, I, I, I actually like you as a player. I think that I, I don't know what you were trying to do or what you were trying to prove. Are you trying to prove that the team now wants now is able to step up for their teammate? Well, this was an instance where Corey Perry was looking up the ice, looking at the play and, and your dude just got hit into him. It was completely fluke. There was no, there was no way that he skated into the into the lane. It was I, I, I couldn't. I was floored by the by the uh, by the fact that there was a fight. And actually, I was a little bit. Um, I was upset by it. I, and I'm a, I love fighting. I, I, I enjoy the idea of fighting. I believe that it's, it's part of, it's part of hockey, regardless of what people want to say. And it is meant to, you know, part of it is meant to step up for your teammates when, you know, shit happens and that was not it. And, um, it, it just, I think it was bullshit. And I hate Corey Perry. I, I would love to see him get punched in the face any day of the week, but there was no more for that. And I think, I just think that was Bush league. I'll be honest with you. Uh, especially in a first playoff game. Um, before I get into a huge rant, James, who is going to win the series? The Habs, man. <laughs> okay, we're gonna see a little. We're gonna see them at least uh, force a well, force a game six at the very least. Uh, Tyler, uh, Toronto, gonna win it. And Alex, I think this is one of those injuries where the team rallies behind it. Toronto's going to win this series. Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, I think that Toronto's going to win. They're the better team, and they're playing like it. Um, okay. So, here we go. Should the we time all leave come. for this part? Or, like, huh? we should all just buckle up. You want us to just, just like, kind of walk away for, like, 10 No, no, minutes? no. I want you guys to be just, part of this. You, I, I, you know, I need to see you Okay, so, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try and keep this, uh, you know, short and sweet and to the point. I'm a huge Oilers fan, as you guys know, um, and I want to use my platform to talk about how disappointed, upset, pissed off, and quite frankly, embarrassed I am to be an Edmonton Oilers fan. The Edmonton Oilers are down three to zero in the series after playing at least the first two games, playing some of the most uninspired hockey I've seen them play all season against, yes, a, a goaltender who is probably the best in the league, but a goaltender that we have proved to be one of the only teams that can completely scour him uh 
and we've we've we showed up completely unequipped to play. Um, the the to, to the Jets uh, to to the Jets uh, credit, they are absolutely playing an Islander style hockey. They are they are shutting down Connor McDavid. They are shutting down Leon Drysital, and Drysital has three points. Connor McDavid has three. Th- those are the two most high scoring um, high scoring players on, um, you know, uh, on the ice. Yes, that is, that is a point per game. But for but for two guys that are really asked to be the heart and soul of the team, the the play that they have that they have shown me. It, um, for except for dry third game is quite despicable. Connor McDavid, you're better than that. You will look like an, you look like someone, I, I don't know who you look like you, you don't, you aren't playing the, the, the hockey that you have proven that you can play. You are not playing as the best player on the ice right now. And I know you're frustrated and I get that. It is absolutely insane that you would give up a, that you would turn over the puck like you did on the boards in a game that you cannot give up the puck in, and have the have the uh, have the Jets turn around and score to I think that was the tying goal, and that and that started the spiral. Okay, I'm going to talk about specifically the third game. The third game was incredible. The Edmonton Oilers looked like one of the best hockey teams I have seen in a long time for 80 percent of the game. 50 minutes, they looked like they had a they they had a knee on the on the Jets throat and they were letting up and they were going to win that game because they was an it was a game that they absolutely needed to win and then they started to let up and then my boy number 15 josh archibald happened uh took one of the most boneheaded plays and hits i have ever seen in a game as as a player uh, on a team who's winning four to one in a game that you must win that you are dominating in that you are controlling completely you took a bonehead play, took you out of the game, gave, gave, and I, and I mentioned this, you give a team that has nothing else to lose a little bit of life and they will shove it down your fucking throat. You are up four to one and you give up three goals in a matter of three minutes. I am having PTSD from what happened in 2017 against the ducks in the same situation. The only difference is you did it to yourself because two of the goals again in, in the duck series or in that, in that Ducks game were pretty questionable refing calls. And I still am, am, am salty to this day, but you 100% gave up that game and you are an embarrassment in the NHL. You, my, like, you don't deserve to even touch the ice with the Winnipeg Jets at this point. And that is in this play is the exact reason why I did not have you go, making the playoffs. And I wish you hadn't because the last three games have been terrible for me as a fan and for us as for us as Edmonton Oilers fans, because it's year after year that you guys disappoint us. And, you know, it's amazing that for 20, almost 28 years of my life coming out of the womb, I've been an Oilers fan. My dad is from Edmonton. He's been an Oilers fan much longer than me for 50 years now. And he, you know, he lived through the, the great eighties when they were an absolute dominant team. Um, they had the greatest player on the planet and they got it done year in and year out. Yes, it is a different league, but they figured out a way. Um, and it, it is just embarrassing to see that a team that has done so well this, this season and probably is in, is in a situation where they have a chance to win their division handedly and show Canada and the NHL that you are the best team in Canada. You sat there and pissed it away. Like it was nothing. You guys are a disgrace. And, um, and, oh, and by the way, Dave Tippett, I am really hoping, I'm almost hoping you get fired because you're, co- you have been outcoached every step of the way. 
And um, yeah, I I do hope you you know force a game a, a game five. I would love to see another game of of Edmonton Oilers hockey. I guess. Um, you gave up another one goal lead. You guys are winning three to two and you guys gave it up. So I wouldn't be surprised if you lose this fucking game and good riddance. I hope you enjoy golfing. That's all I have to say. So to, uh, in conclusion, trading is not happy. Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That was a little bit off the cuff. Um, I, you know, I, I, I told the guys that I really wanted my time to, to, to use my platform and speak out. I know that that's never happened. Um, you know, I go on my rants and I, and I enjoy it. Um, and I have a lot of emotions as a long-term Oilers fan. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, you guys, I think that Tyler and Alex probably would like to do the same if the, if the Dodgers lost maybe the last world series again, like they would want to take the time between them and just completely torch them because they break your hearts every fucking year. So <sighs> hashtag sports. Yeah, trading. I was I was gonna say the way you were the emotions that you had in that and everything was that's exactly how I felt about the, about the Dodgers until you know not too recently. So I understand that pain, believe me. And I think all of us here, you know, James. I don't think you've seen your Niners win a Super Bowl in your lifetime, right? So I'm sure there's been. I'm close. Yeah, I'm so, close. you know, I know. I think we all have have had that pain of being a fan, and there's 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 the highs, but there's also these lows where you just feel like punching a TV and just giving up your fandom and burning all your hats and jerseys and all that stuff. But hang in there, bud. They'll hopefully win at some point. <laughs> Jade, I think that was really healthy. You got that all off your chest right yeah. now instead of holding it all in. I, I, we I are your therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. Uh, you yep, know, this, this outlet is here for, for any time, you know, except just by any time in once a week on Mondays at 7 p.m. <laughs> That's the only time. <laughs> um, that being said, Great segment, man. Like <laughs> following basketball with hockey, fantastic all the way through. Um, Chayden has yet to cry or break his computer. So stay tuned for the next segment because right now the Oilers are up three to two, but we'll see as the game unfolds. Three, three. Uh, well, it's now three, three. Shit. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> anyway, you guys take a quick break, but when we return, Tyler's got his O dams. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode so far. As I mentioned in the intro, Eric isn't here, so we only have three segments today. So we're going to close off this uh, with a finale, and it's Tyler's MLB O-Dams. Tyler, it's all you, man. Thank you, James. Uh, we got three O-Dams for you. <clears throat> um, so we're going to lead it off with uh, kind of almost a similar topic we talked about two weeks ago, which was uh, the insane rate of no-hitters that are going on in the MLB right now. We had two more last week, and on back-to-back days, uh, Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers no-hit the Mariners, and Corey Kluber of the Yankees no-hit the Texas Rangers, bringing us to a total of six on this very young season. As I mentioned last week, the, the modern-day or modern-era record for no-hitters in a season is seven, um, and, the, and, the, and the record of all time is eight, but that happened back in like 1886 or something crazy, um, which, you know, so far on the pace, obviously, that's going to blow it out of the water. Um, so, and a lot of people are, are, you know, kind of talking about this. Like, is there such a thing as too many no hitters? So, trading, you know, I kind of want to ask you about this one. Um, you know, no hitters are, you know, a, a gem, right? It, it's it's something that it's, it's rare. It doesn't happen very often. You know, six is a lot. You know, typical on average, it's probably more like, you know, three to four at most in a, a year. And it's it's very good. It's very cool. And it's it's a great achievement. 
you know, when guys are throwing two a week, you know, is that, is that, or is that too many no hitters? Is that like, now it's like, you know, like, Oh, another no hitter. Awesome. Or is it, is it still worth tuning into? Yeah. Um, so I, I took this question the first time two weeks ago and I wanted to keep talking about it because I'm just going to kind of reiterate with a little bit more oomph um, as what I had last two weeks. It's not a problem. I mean, look, you have to give credit where it's due. And these pitchers are getting better and better every single, every single year. The, the, the scouts looking for, 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 uh, for pitchers are looking for velocity now, just like, just like they've um, the batting has changed in baseball over the, over the years where we, we care less about getting on base and more about getting it out of the park. We're hitting for the fences more and not worrying about strikeouts. This is, this is the answer to it. Analytics is letting, is letting pitchers, you know, first of all, um, I just think pitchers are getting better and faster. And I think that if you, if you throw too slow of a, of a, of a ball, you're not even going to look at anymore. Like they're looking for velocity. They're looking for guys who can throw 98 and, and they're able to do it, uh, to, to do it with balls that are like, you know, like movement balls, like curve balls and, and sliders and all that stuff. That's it, it's insane. And, and so are we really going to be upset for pitchers figuring it out? And does it suck for batters? Yeah. But Again, and I'm going to say it again, get better. It's that simple. Uh, also, on top of that, I think analytics has a lot to say about it too, because I think that nowadays analytics really shows the weaknesses of who the pitcher's facing at every given time. Like, I guarantee you, you ask any pitcher who's going to face the batter of the next game, and they know exactly what the weaknesses are, what what pitch and where it needs to be, and and that is an advantage for the pitcher. Because the pitcher knows exactly what what pitches um, that this batter struggles with and where, and they have the ability to put it there every single time. And that is that is something that the batters just. I mean, yeah, they could use the analytics and see what the what the strong points of of the pitcher is. You know, whether it's their, whether it's Kershaw's curveball or what have you. But it's still the pitcher who's delivering the ball. You the the batter can't say, "Hey, can you just throw me a a, a, a nice one right up the middle?" Yeah, it doesn't work like that. So I, I think at the end of the day, baseball just needs to realize that the batters need to get better. This is, this is the progression of baseball. This is the, this is the ebbs and flows that you get. I think that you go back to um, folk, you know, and maybe it also has to do with the fact that the, they are trying to hit for the fences and it, it leads to more strikeouts and, 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 and less hitting. I think you guys should, I think the game should, should um, evolve back to more of a small ball game, keep the ball in the park and, and, and get on base. That's my, that's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that it's definitely, I don't blame the, obviously, you know, it's more, I think, uh, blame on the hitters and their approach. Um, I've obviously the pitchers are getting better. They're throwing harder. They're throwing mad. I mean, you see Dustin May, you know, his freaking 98 mile an hour sinker that moves like six feet. I mean, that's just not fair. How, how the hell are you going to hit that? But, um, you know, these pit, the pitchers are getting better. Um, but also the hitters are kind of just, they're not adjusting the way they need to adjust. Um, I think, I think just some interesting things about these no hitters too. Um, uh, of the six no hitters, three teams are the ones that being hit. So, so three teams have been no hit twice. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting. So it's kind of, it's just three different teams. And also the pitchers throwing the no hitters are a little surprising. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the Garrett Cole, the DeGrom, the Bauer, you know, it's, it's guys like Corey Kluber's passes prime, Spencer Turnbull, uh, Wade Miley, like these guys that, you know, average to below average pitchers throwing these no hitters, which is, it's pretty interesting. Um, so that's what, and, and for me, 
I mean, like I said, I love watching no hitter. I get no hitter alerts on my phone and I tune in and I'm, I'm watching it and I'm really excited. Honestly, when I got the, the notification that Corey Kluber was throwing no hitter, I was like, my reaction is when I'm like, Oh cool. Like I, I, I need to get to, to a TV or my phone to like watch the ninth inning of no hitter. I didn't watch it because I was like, really another one. That, that was my reaction to that. And I don't think that's a good thing. So as a baseball fan, reacting to a potential no hitter being like oh another one that's not good so i in my opinion i think there are too many things as too many no hitters um especially just the rate that they're going right now if we had six in a season that's fine but we have six and we're not even through may yet that's like that's too many i think and i think i think i don't know it it kind of it diminishes the excitement and the um prestige of a no hitter when there's just too many of them because then they're not as rare and it's just like oh another no hitter it's, it's kind of like a triple double in basketball like they're it's cool it's a great achievement but they happen like almost every night right and i'm not saying that no hitters are that that common but you know a, a, a no hitter should be just the most special thing like it happens only a few times a year and you're tuning in it's much watch tv um so i don't know it's it's i don't know if i'm concerned necessarily about the offense i, I think i think things will adjust back to normal and we'll see less no hitters and whatever i think we're just at that peak, you know, of, of, of this changing where the pitching is just so good and the hitting just has not made that adjustment yet. But I think we, t- we talked about it last week. I, I do agree with you. I think that will eventually even out. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, I was kind of just like, it wasn't a big deal that Corey Kluber was throwing a no-hitter a day after Turnbull was throwing a no-hitter. It was just kind of, oh, cool. Um, anyway, uh, mo- uh, moving on to my second O-Dam. Uh, Tony Lurus was doing Tony Larusa things. Um a pretty interesting thing here. We talked about him a lot on this podcast about there's this old guy that's coming in this new era of baseball, old unwritten rules. And this was a textbook unwritten rule kind of reaction here. So to kind of go through it, uh, your, your mean Mercedes, the rookie who is leading the, the big leagues in average is having an, an amazing breakout season. Um, the, the White Sox were playing the twins uh, the, the White Sox were winning uh, 15 to four in the, in the ninth inning. Um, they had a position player pitch the ninth inning in, in relief and he threw a 47 mile an hour heater to Mercedes on a three Oh count. And Mercedes just saw this giant meatball coming at him and decided to swing. And of course he hits it 400 feet. Um, and the twins or the, or Tony La Russa had a problem with that. You know, his, his own player playing baseball, uh, you know, pretty much said that he's going to receive punishment, you know, and that, you know, he's going to have to deal with it and, and that it won't happen again. Basically just called out his own player for, you know, swinging 3-0 in a, in a 15-4 blowout game, which again is a kind of one of those old school unwritten rules. You just don't do that. Uh, the next day, the, uh, the twins retaliated. Uh, uh, Tyler Duffy, the pitcher for the twins, threw behind uh, Mercedes. Uh, Duffy got tossed after the game. Tony, Tony LaRusso was asked about it and he supported Tyler Duffy. He said, yeah, I think that was a, a good thing. Um, so basically he wants his players to get thrown at uh, if, if that happens. Uh, just an interesting way to go about it. There's a lot of different opinions about it, um, James. But what is your opinion of how Tony La Russa kind of ma- handled this situation and his, um, his, his way of thinking in, in, in this uh, sense here? Oh, I hated it. I absolutely despised it. Uh, this irks me to my core. Uh, not only in a baseball sense and also in the sense that the concept of this unwritten rules is kind of the epitome of what's wrong with our society today. Um, when it comes to just the baseball fact of it right now, like Alex had the White Sox, he covered the White Sox in your little preview sections. And a big question that everybody asked and that Alex didn't know the answer to is why did La Russa get hired 
by this team. Like Larusa is known to be old and stubborn and a stickler for unwritten rules. And now he's coming into this team that's young, energetic, and is all about this new school way of playing baseball. That all in all did not add up. And it still doesn't add up now. And it's like, let's look at the bigger picture here. Like I said, he is the epitome of what's wrong today. He sticks to old school rules like it's his job, like it's his life depends on it. And it's these old antiquated thoughts and beliefs and a refusal to change with the times. And that's what you see with politicians today. Like people who lead this world, like we're getting people who are older who had lived through the 1960s, the 1970s. And the world is not like that. The world is different than what it was last year. And we're getting people who have not seen anything like this to lead us. We're getting people who are just seeing like the drug wars and all the, the this huge unwritten like political caste system that we see today and people are sticking to that because all they know because the leaders that's all they know they go back to this unwritten rule thing because they refuse to change and look at things in a different perspective and that's what's happening now in baseball in like a smaller sample size you have larusa coming in here and refuses to change he is not a good leader the calling card of a good leader is to see what's in front of him and change based off of what people are giving you and adapt to what's happening in front of you right now. He doesn't, he refuses to do that. And he's lost his locker room. Nobody supports him. He's made this call and he said, dude, this fuck, this guy's weird as hell. He said he was gonna spank your mean Mercedes. Your mean Mercedes is 300 pounds more than you are, dude. You wanna spank him, you gotta break your hand. You're 70 years old with osteoarthritis and you smoke. Dude, you're not, you're not tough. Nobody respects you right now. Your team does not respect you. It's how much managing is he really doing other than making a lineup card right now? Probably nothing. Because nothing he says, people take seriously. Nobody on his team likes him. No analyst likes him. I don't understand why he's there. This team can manage itself. The thing that sucks about this too, on the baseball side of it, is that he's ruined Mer- your mean Mercedes. Like, your main Mercedes is having a great year. And the game after that, he went hitless. And he's been doing pretty subpar since that time, since he was scolded and told that he, his coach didn't have his back. Like, that hurts you mentally. And that's taking away your confidence, man. For somebody who is 20 years old, has bounced around the minor leagues, uh, he's a rule five draft pick. Like he's fighting for his job day in and day out. And these stats is what, gonna, is what is gonna get him his next contract. Another home run on your stats, that's huge. That's gonna go a long way in securing you for your future. Not doing that is taking away that opportunity. Not to mention hitting a 48 mile an hour fastball, that's hard to do. That's a lot of power coming from you as the hitter. Just like Traden was mentioning earlier how a lot of pitchers throw fastballs now. And I think that's the reason why the game has evolved to more of a home run happy thing because the faster the velocity, the more power comes off the bat. It's Newton's laws. Like you can't, you can, you have to conserve the power. It's not going to go nowhere. So 48 miles an hour doesn't have a lot of power. Mercedes had to really yank that motherfucker to make that shit go far. And he did. He's a strong dude. You can't spank that motherfucker. Dude, Larusa, why are you still around, man? Just you retired once. Stay away. You're ruining baseball. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like that take. I think I think a lot of people, the you know, younger guys, you know, are kind of our age group. I think mostly agree with you. Uh, I think he just he's he he's out of touch with the times. Um, I it, it blew my mind that he you know kind of um, supported the twins' uh, reaction to that. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, even even like you know in you know, 10 years ago, when, when, when guys throw your guy, like, how do you support the other team? That, that, that blew my mind. I think, I, I think it's one thing to say, you know, three Oh count, you're at 15 to four 
shouldn't have done that, whatever. Like I disagree with it, but you know, whatever. But then to go out and support the other team for throwing out your guy. Yikes, man. I don't know about that. And also just kind of one, one last thing, like with unwritten rules about, you know, swinging at a, at a, at a, a, on a, on three Oh count up, up by nine runs. Like, you know, we want to see these guys play baseball. We want to see guys hit home runs 430 feet. I don't give, I don't give a shit if they're up 15 runs or it's a walk-off home run. Yeah. Like we like to see these guys match, like, like home runs are fun to watch. And your, your mean Mercedes is having one of the best seasons um, that we've ever seen. And we want to see this guy hit as many home runs as possible. I don't give a shit what the score is. So, I mean, I think that's, that's the thing. I think that's what a lot of you don't get, you know, it's like, yeah, you're up 15 to four, you know, but they're, they're being paid. People are paying money and tuning in these games to watch these guys play baseball, not take a three Oh count, you know? So that's what I, what I got about that. Um, last, last Oh damn moment here. Um, the top six records in baseball belong to teams in two divisions. And that is the NL West and the AL East. Um, so these are turning into quite good division battles here. Um, currently as we stand, um, in the NL West, the, the, the San Diego Padres with the best record in baseball are a half a game above the Dodgers. And then the San Francisco Giants are, are, are a game behind that. So they're a game and a half back of the, uh, back of the Padres. So those three teams up there top in the NL West. And the AL East, uh, we got the, uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays are now atop of the AL East, a half a game above, above the Boston Red Sox. And then the Yankees are right there, only a game back. Of, of Tampa Bay there. So all, all those teams separated by game and um, in the NL West, all, all the top three teams separated by a game and a half. So um, I've obviously a couple of surprises, I think in both of those divisions um, also teams, that I think we, we expect to be there. Um, so that begs the question, you know, um, it's definitely, it's definitely possible that all of these, all six of these teams can make the postseason with, with, with the current format. Um, but that pretty much leaves the rest of the divisions of both those leagues, just for the division winners. Um, so Alex, so, so kind of a two, two, two questions. Um, obviously we stand here, we're, we're approaching, um, kind of the, um, the third, third way mark of the season. Um, do you see all six of these teams making the postseason? Um, and then who do you ultimately think will win each division there? Okay. So I'm going to start in the AL. I do not think all three teams will make it out of the AL East. Because I also think it's still a four-team race. Toronto's lost six in a row, but they're only five and a half out. They're a very good team. They still have, you know, George Springer's coming back. So I just think those those guys, those top four teams, sorry, Baltimore, you're trash, are going to beat up on each other. I just think that there's they're not one of those guys is going to end up with like 98, 99, 100, 101 wins. It's going to be like a 92-win team because – Boston's much better than we expected. Tampa's always good. The Yankees are good. Toronto's not becoming. I just think they're all going to going to beat up on each other too much. Um, and I think I think two. I think there will be two teams to come out of the AL East, one out of the Central, and then two out of the West. I think that's kind of how, in my like mind, it will fall now. Especially with as Traden told us last week, the Minnesota Twins are fucking done. Like they're trash. Um, I don't know. I I picked the Yankees, and I still think I'm going to stick with them. Um, they'll get Luis Severino back eventually. They've stayed healthy. They've finally given up on Gary Sanchez. Thank God, because he's fucking garbage. 
Um, so I still – and, like, I think the Yankees are probably the most complete team. But Boston gets Chris Sale back. And if Chris Sale can pitch well, you know, J.D. Martinez is back. Xander Bogarts is playing well. Tampa's got Wander Franco coming. I don't know. I think the AL East is a much more competitive division than we originally anticipated, and that's awesome. I legitimately think there's four teams, and it would not surprise me if any of those four won and any of those four didn't make. I feel like it's going to come down to the wire. In the NL, um, obviously the Dodgers are going to win, and they will be winning by 10 games, so I can take James' money. <laughs> uh, to be honest, though, I'm, uh, I will probably end up owing James money uh, with, the, with that 5-15 and 15 stretch the Dodgers had. Um, making up 10 games over the Padres is going to be pretty hard, um, especially with the injuries and the amount of injuries the Dodgers have gone through. Um, Trade-in, as much as I love you, I think the Giants are going to start fading now. They, they just – I don't – they can't – like Alex Wood cannot be this good for this long. He can't – he won't be able to stay healthy. Anthony DiSclefani just got murdered by the Dodgers who didn't have some of their best players in, didn't have Mookie Betts, didn't have Cody Bellinger, and he gave up 10, 10 runs. Um, San Diego, both, both San Diego and the Dodgers have gone through a lot of injuries, whether the Dodgers, you know, pitching in bullpen or the Padres with COVID. Um, Tatis has been out twice. So I, I think it's, I think that's just going to be a two horse race um, that, I mean, we talk, you talk, we talked about it a while ago. The East is just a fucking mess in the National League. Some team's going to win that division with like 86 wins. Yeah. Um, and then so, and then I think two teams will come out of the Central. Chicago has been pretty amazing. So, um, I'm I'm obviously I'm picking the Dodgers. I think Bellinger's coming back. I still think that four-headed monster of the Dodgers pitching staff in Bueller, Kershaw, Urias, and Bauer is just too much for anyone to handle. Darvish has been great. Um, you know, Chris Paddock's been pretty terrible. Blake Snell, I think, is one of the most overrated pitchers in baseball. Um, we talk about it with our boy Matt all the time. I have no idea what's going on to Nelson Lamette. Um, I just I just don't think the Padres pitching staff can can keep up with what the Dodgers top four can bring. Um, and with David Price, Tony Gonsolin. Like they seem to have all these depth issues, and they're like, holy crap, this team is good. So um in conclusion, Yankees are going to win the East. Dodgers are going to win the West. Two are going to come out of both. Um, I just don't. I just don't have faith in the Giants, and I think the East is going to beat up on each other too much. Yeah, I I, I like those picks. Uh, I, I agree with you with the uh, with the NL West. Um, I'm going to go with Boston in the East. Um, there's just they have, they have that something going on. I think Alex Cora coming back uh, to kind of lead, lead that clubhouse is huge. Um, and this, I think it's a team that kind of has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I don't think the Yankees are that good that I think they're going to run away with it. Um, they're playing a lot better baseball the, the, the last month or so, so they're definitely going to be in there. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, but I think I think the Red Sox are going to squeak out a, 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 a AL East uh, title there. Um, but, yeah, I don't think oh, all uh, six worst, of them. Uh, a worst to first sort of situation? Yes, a worst to first. They have been known to do that. Yeah, so I think, you know – Boston just kind of they they have that they have that uh, mentality there and they 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 have their championship uh, leader back and I I think that's huge I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about with that Red Sox team having Alex Cora back in there is is huge for them, um, and and you also just real quick you you, you mentioned the uh, NL East how how bad it is um, that entire division is separated by two games, but the team in first place only one game of above five hundred 
Uh, that's the New York Mets. Um, so it's just a bunch of really average shitty teams battling it out there, which that it's, it's just crazy to see that division compared to the uh, NL West and just the difference in the, the, the caliber, the caliber of, of ball clubs there. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's what I love about this MLB season. There's just a, a lot of ups and downs and it's just, a, you know, a, 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 lot, a lot going on, a lot of ebbs and flows, surprises, uh, uh, things that we didn't expect to go are going a complete, complete different, uh, different way. <clears throat> um, but that's going to do it for my Odams, Odams this, uh, this week. James, thank you very much. That's all I got. Tyler, that was amazing. As always, I had a lot of fun of mine off from the heart. It's good stuff. Um, at the stands right now, the Oilers and the Jets are headed to overtime, 3-3. So if you made it this far in the episode, you probably know by now if Trayton cried from happiness or broke his computer. I mean, we'll see you next week too, but you'll know. Uh, that being said, I hope you guys really enjoyed episode 48. Uh, let's talk about life. The interviews will be coming back soon, probably within the next two weeks. And Alex made a great recommendation that we should interview guys on the podcast. And that's what we're going to do. So I'll have a couple of podcast interviews lined up and uh, we'll see if you guys like that. And we'll go from there. Um, if Please follow us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Give us a rating and review. Find us on social medias. And uh, hope you guys have a great week. See you next week.